This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Andrew Patterson here with you, along with the CTO, Michael Remus. And uh, what a weekend. Incredible sports weekend. Big win for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Jets minicamp continues, and we are just three days away from Winnipeg Jets training camp. We're going to hit it all today on the program. Jeff Hamilton from the Winnipeg Free Press will join us. We'll kick around the Bombers' win in Edmonton, as well as the latest from minicamp and take a look ahead to training camp with Hammer. And a little later on in the program, we'll break down all the action in both the CFL and the NFL with our pal Mokon from TSN in Montreal. As always, we're brought to you by a great family of sponsors, including Manitoba Battery over on Logan Avenue, Royal Sports. Shout out to everyone that got out to the tent sale on the weekend. Wow, what a crowd for that. Long lineups throughout the weekend, but incredible deals. Glad to see that went so well for our friends over at Royal Sports uh, Canadian Club, the Nick and Nikki DQ group. And hey, I'll, we'll plug this later on. But a quick heads up to all of you that are with us live or uh, just getting into the podcast. Today only, DQ Nick just sent me a text. Special sale, 50% off all cakes at the DQ on Northgate and the DQ on St. Anne. So uh, if you're looking ahead to the weekend or maybe just want to be the hero for the family, head on down to DQ Northgate or DQ St. Anne's for 50% all cakes today only. Uh, our friends over at Not Autocorp, of course, Boston Pizza, Little Brown Jug, Assiniboia Downs, Cool Bet Canada, and Canadian Club. Great to have them all on board with us, making this happen every day. And let's welcome in Michael Remus to uh, to get down to uh, business here for another week on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Remo, what's good? How was your weekend? Oh, fantastic weekend. Great weather, as uh, we posted in your... Whew. Your wonderful weather report uh, on <laughs> that get called more engagement than any of our sports uh, hot takes on on Twitter. I always laugh at that. That you know, we post a video of us screwing around and people seem to like it, but post like the most insightful sports take and uh, not as much engagement. Anyways, uh, great weekend. What do we do? Uh, Saturday, I actually went to the corn maze with my son. That was that was a good time. We had family outing. Never and, been to a corn maze before. Yeah, they had a good petting zoo there. He tried to pick up some of the bunnies. And uh, <laughs> Saturday night, I watched the bomber game. Went out to the beach yesterday. It's still, still hot. Uh, it's still hot out there. So manage. Oh, and I watched. Yeah, watched. I went to the beach. Nothing like going to the beach and just watch, sitting inside watching football. That's <laughs> that's the best. Old Pull man. up the iPad, watch Red Zone. It was great. The, fun. We, you know, the CFL games overall weren't fantastic i mean there was no real thrillers or anything like that but i'll um, tell you what another big performance by the winnipeg blue bombers which we'll dive into right now um of course today's a very big day here in the community it is decision day where everyone is going to need to make their votes heard on what you ask the future of the bombers kicking game yeah <laughs> because that that is what everyone's talking about here in winnipeg sports talk right now um big win for the Bombers, uh, a game that almost was essentially over in the first quarter. Uh, but, you know, credit to Edmonton for battling back. And I just remember I was watching the game with some buds and, you know, for how good the Bombers looked, a couple turnovers did not help things. Uh, obviously got Edmonton right in the game with giving them the ball on the 10-yard line. But it was sort of, you were sort of going like, what the heck's going on? It's in the third quarter. And... 
it's a one-point game in favor of Edmonton, but um, to the Bombers' credit, they stepped up, uh, led by the defense, Alford with the pick six, and then Willie J hunting quarterbacks, creating the strip sack, and Adam Big Hill uh, goes in for the touchdown. Two big touchdowns by the Bomber defense, who continues to quit itself as the defense in the Canadian Football League. Uh, six and one, and the team keeps rolling. Yeah, great time uh, for a buy. You know, gives you some time to get this sort out. And I know you're making, uh, alluding to the election. In all seriousness, everyone should get out and exercise their right to vote. But as far as voting for the Bombers kicking situation, I'm seeing a lot of people in chat saying, call up Medlock and, you know, offer him a Brinks truck of cash. He'll come back. The ship has sailed on Medlock. Like, I don't think, I think he's done. He's retired. It's like asking, is it not, what's a better chance? Medlock coming back or Bufflin coming back <laughs> to the Jets? It's like every single time in chat, oh, gotta, gotta get Bufflin. Move, move on. I think the Medlock era <laughs> is over. He's moved on. Yeah, I think he's he's got another It's career. hard to move on, though, when you see yeah. kicking performance like the Bombers have had so far this season. Yes. We've been talking about it. I mean, it has been a real sore spot for the team so far that looks so good in just about all other aspects. Uh, Ali Mortada, uh, you know, you got to feel for this guy. You know, a longtime journeyman trying to play professional football in a, you know, a legit North American league, gets his opportunity, comes out, and, and and the funny thing is, all his misses, Remus, were incredibly close. And he was good on the converts. But uh, you just can't be missing those sort of opportunities. Uh, you know, at some point, it'll come back to bite you. And we've been talking about that for a little while. So I, I really do believe that that is the number one thing that Kyle Walters and Mike O'Shea are kicking around over the course of this bye week is to where they go with the kicking game. Um, there's been three different guys that have kicked uh, you know, they came in. It was Legio's job to lose. Kerpinia uh, came in at the end of camp and started the season. He goes on to the sixth game. Legio again then gets an opportunity, has some up and down performances. And then you bring in Murtada. And he uh, had a very miserable, miserable first game in the Canadian Football League. All that being said, I, I'm not sure that they don't give this guy another crack um, in that you know, he was quite close. He was quite straight. And you wonder if maybe one more game will get him in this, into a, a bit of a groove when it comes to kicking in this new field with the new balls and everything that comes with three-down football in the CFL. Um, all I know is, though, that conversation isn't going anywhere until somebody can come out and give even half the confidence that Bomber fans and Bomber management had every time Justin Medlock went out there to kick the football. And considering Medlock's not anywhere else and we know that he's not playing football but he probably could walk back in and do exactly what he did for the last number of years here in Winnipeg I have a feeling we have not heard the last of Justin Medlock on this program from our friends in the chat every single chat every single chat I mean he can never play again people going oh we miss Medlock and I agree I mean it was amazing you know what a luxury uh, you'd have you'd get into scoring range and it was automatic every time and you saw last game I mean what was it this three you know, missed field goals, those are nine points on the board. I mean, it was a, the Bombers, I thought, were dominating the game, but they couldn't just convert on their opportunities. And uh, thankfully, the defense in the in, you know the second half of the game stepped up and scored not one, but two touchdowns as Taylor Cornelius, who looked pretty good in the first half, Huss. You know, we were joking about him all week, saying his nickname is Corndog, and he's never <laughs> started. I mean, the, that guy can throw it deep. Uh, he showed he could run as well, but... One thing he couldn't do was protect the football and 
on that touchdown. I mean, just being careless, running around behind the line of scrimmage. Another one, you know, the pick six. The Bombers DBs have been uh, so good. You know, they found these guys, Alford and Nichols. And I mean, it, you, I know we've talked about Winston Rose once in a while here, but I mean, they've stepped up and really help the Bombers defense continue to be uh, totally dominant. That's so, a great point. We're yeah. not talking about Winston Rose like we're talking about Justin Medlock no. right now. It's because <laughs> the guys that are t- taking his spot are getting the job done yeah. on a weekly basis. Uh, so yeah. Bombers continue to be the class of the league, 6-1 and one, heading into the bye week. And yeah, Cornelius, I thought, did acquit himself quite well. Um, you know, you don't, you don't like to break a game open with a pick six. Uh, and obviously, you need to take better care of the football and keep an eye out on where guys like the Land Shark are before it ends up in the hands of Adam Big Hill and in your own end zone. But for a first start in the situation that the Elks are in, I think they'll take that from him. But the bottom line is their timing is terrible because this guy needs to get his feet wet in the Canadian football. He can keep the Elks in the playoff race, and he's got to do that against the defending Grey Cup champion, Winnipeg Blue Bombers, who... Um, you know, as I said, it's a 15-point win, probably accurate when it comes to what the actual gameplay was uh, uh, overall. But it's going to be a a very tough challenge for the Edmonton Elks to get into the playoffs right now. And I'll say the same thing for Calgary, man. I mean, what a missed opportunity for the Calgary Stampeders on Friday. I mean, going on the road, you've got Bo Levi Mitchell back. You're coming off that big win in Edmonton that, for all intents and purposes, saved your season. And you get the benefit of playing a third-string quarterback in his first CFL start, uh, and they could not get it done. Matt Dunnigan called the first half of the game on Friday between Calgary, <laughs> between uh, the Stamps and Hamilton, is the worst half of football he's ever seen. Um, it certainly was no Picasso. Big win for the Ticats, but pretty amazing when you look at the West standings right now. There's Calgary and Edmonton tied at the bottom with two wins on the season. Two full wins back of Saskatchewan and BC. And of course, all the way up there at six and one are the Winnipeg yeah. Blue Bombers. Hey, we have some breaking uh, Jets news. Uh, thank you to, I think it was Larry Eloy. You wrote it in chat. I see this on Cap Friendly. Not to derail the CFL conversation, but Bully by Mitchell, like, does he still have a broken leg as someone? Like, they looked so good last week. And this week, you're like, Calgary, they're they're one of the worst, worst teams because BC is looking awesome. But, um, the Jets have, according to Cap Friendly, the Jets have placed Sammy Niku on waivers for a purpose of contract termination. So he's wow. on the final year of a two-year 725K contract. And Scott Billick tweets, the Jets tried to move Niku, no takers, uh, no value, will free up some cap space. So uh, Sammy Niku's Jays, I mean, I'm happy to see him uh, move on and maybe get an opportunity somewhere. No one wanted to give up anything for him. He was on Frank Cervalli's trade targets that, list. That blows me away. That they would just, like, uh, yeah. That no, like I said, I realize what they're doing. What blows me away is that there was not a taker for Sammy Niku anywhere in the National Hockey League. And listen, I'm not one of these people that's been banging the drum. Hey, he needs to be playing. I mean, I think we've seen Sammy at times get opportunities, and uh, we've seen him do some great things in the American Hockey League. It was pretty clear that there the chance of playing wasn't going to be here in Winnipeg. I mean, guess there was the potential that he could have been an extra defenseman that would have been in the press box that would allow guys like Hanel and Sandberg to play in the American Hockey League if they weren't in the lineup. Uh, and Nate Beaulieu is obviously in a similar situation to that, an extra player with the NHL club. But considering what Nico has shown at the AHL level and what he brings to the table, I, I, I am stunned that there wasn't 
any takers in the National Hockey League to take Sammy Niku for what would probably be, you know, a sixth, seventh round draft pick, just some sort of compensation going forward. But that is what it is. I mean, sometimes, you know, everyone can have their own opinions, but the market dictates what the real value of the player is. And uh, tell you what, I didn't expect we'd be talking about Sammy Niku getting cut loose today. Uh, but it sounds like that's where it's going as per uh, as per the Scott Brown. Yeah, Scott, uh, Scott Billick and uh, Cap Oh, Friendly. Scott Billick, excuse me. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, I'm sure Scott Brown will put out a release yeah. or something for for the Jets, maybe. Uh, but yeah, Sammy, I mean, you look at his career, as you said, drafting the seventh round 2015. He's played 54 NHL games. He's got 10 points, two goals. Uh, I believe that was that in the game against Montreal where he played one game in 2017. I remember Sammy Niku in DraftKings. I'd always get excited for him saying, oh, this guy's got power play talent. And he was playing power play, but... I mean, you'll get the Jets depth chart this year. He was not getting in. And I'm, you know, I'm happy for him. You know, it'll be an opportunity to move on to an organization where maybe he can he can squeeze in and actually get some playing time because uh, it seemed like the coaching staff didn't want to didn't want to play him. And you look at you look at, uh, you know, who they brought in on defense and who's ahead of him now. You know, Stanley, Anila, Sandberg. Um, I, I mean, did Kovacevic pass him? I, I don't I don't know. Uh, but yeah, he was wasn't going to get any opportunities here. So, I mean, this is, I think this is a good move for him and they tried to trade him and no one wanted him. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, where Sammy Nika goes from here is, will be very interesting. I mean, does yes. he get a PTO somewhere? Um, is, is that what will happen? Um, does he potentially go to Europe? I mean, I think mm-hmm. that's, I mean, I think he'd be, a, he could be a really good defenseman over in Europe right now, but just the fact that there was no one that even wanted to take a flyer on him for a late round pick, mm-hmm. Um, you know, will teams now be lining up to get him as an unrestricted free agent? I'm really not sure. But uh, wow, what a way to start yeah. off the week. The end of the Sammy Niku era here yeah. in Winnipeg. I'll say this. He's a fun player to watch. I mean, uh, you know, he he had some he had some real moments and he does have a tantalizing offensive skill that I think did really excite people. And it had to have excited people in the organization when he came out and he had that incredible breakout season as the defenseman of the year for his first year in North America. Of course, he was the defenseman of the year. Mason Appleton was the rookie of the year that year in the American Hockey League. And it seemed like both of those players had pretty bright futures. Uh, just never played out that way for Sammy Niku. And uh, mm-hmm. now to the point where uh, he's going to have uh, the contract terminated and will be free to go and find what will hopefully be a good spot for him where he does get an opportunity to show what he can do. And if it doesn't work out, there'll be plenty of opportunities for him uh, back in Europe, you would imagine. All right. Yeah. Uh, we, sorry, go ahead. Just a couple of things. Uh, one, the Jets flow, uh, you know, flow statistics takes a big hit with no Niku. Yeah. And, the hair uh, analytics. The hair analytics. De- devastated today. De- devastated. So I haven't seen too much from production day and picture day. I mean, no Matthew Pro. This year as well, so for the flow Ooh, ratio, for the point. flow quotient, but also has like, what does this mean for your Sammy Niku rookie card? I think this it has potential now to increase in value, right? Or yeah. or or does it make it go up because it's just you know it's him <laughs> in a suit and <laughs> this, you know what this is a this is a special heirloom of the yeah. Sammy Niku here uh, Sammy Niku era my uh, my autographed Niku card. That we uh, that we pulled out a few weeks ago here uh, here on the program. Um, so we will get to all of that actually with Jeff Hamilton coming up. We'll talk bombers and we'll talk Jets with the Hammer. Um, we will get to NFL talk a little bit later on. But yeah. I know some of you are in the chat already giving me brain damage because the Chiefs lost last night. I'll say this, Remus, and you know well. I had one of the best Sundays I have had in 
like forever. 3-0 and on my spread picks for the lock shop to go 6-0 and on the season. So I was already like completely fired up. Absolutely killed in DraftKings. Arcade's Eliminator pool. I think I'm going to win. First place in the Winnipeg Sports Talk pool. And I see David Asplund in there. Nice work, David. He was second place. Um, and then to top it all off, and I wasn't even watching this because I was so into the football. I sort of forgot about it. I had Max Holma at 54 to 1 to win the Fortnite Open or whatever it's called, the Fortnite Open. Fortnite Open? You <laughs> well, bet on it's... Fortnite tournaments? <laughs> this actually would be PGA Golf. Oh, okay. So so everything was coming up, Huss, yesterday. So I knew that there's no way I could have gone through an entire day with everything falling my way. And of course, thanks, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, uh, the Chiefs, the, the the Patrick Mahomes revenge tour, the 20-0 season, the dream is dead. Uh, but what a game, what a performance by Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. Yes, the Chiefs fan, a little worried about the defense and the way they were run all over yesterday. Um, and Patrick Mahomes made an uncharacteristic mistake that sort of allowed Baltimore to get back in. But again, down one, driving in field goal range. Nine out of ten times, that's a win. Unfortunately, CEH put it on the ground. The Ravens got it, and um, that's a huge win for Baltimore. And I think the Chiefs will be okay at one and one. Although the division looks pretty interesting now with the Chargers and Chiefs at one and one after their losses yesterday. And lo and behold, the Denver Broncos and Oakland Raiders both two and zero. Oh. Uh, but a pretty wild, wild day in the National Football League, uh, culminating with that primetime thriller. And the early games were a little bit dull, but I'll tell you what, Remo, the three o'clock games yesterday were absolutely phenomenal. And oh my God, the heartbreak for Viking fans. They're, they're, they're net minus four points on the season and now 0-2 after missing a 37-yarder in what would have been a walk-off win against the Cardinals in a thriller of their own yesterday. Yeah, what a day. I know um, Bears fans very excited to uh, see Justin Fields finally get into a game. It took a Dalton injury, but I know they were rejoicing. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, if Dalton's healthy, he's going to be the starter. Um, you know, it's funny how you waited till you know, you didn't bring up the Chiefs right away conveniently. Huss. I know if they had won, maybe it would have well, been a different game story. Day. <laughs> a, a bomber win. I wasn't about to go right to the NFL, but I, as you know, I, I face the music. I face yeah. the music when they lose. I mean, famously, our final show ever on 1290 yes. was the day after the Super Bowl where I showed up and had to take it for four hours. And I'll never forget saying to Rick, you know, Rick, at the end of the program, a lesser man would have called in sick today, would have had a <laughs> holiday, which would have been a great idea anyways after the Super Bowl. That should be a national holiday if you ask me. Uh, but I came in tomorrow. We move on from this. We're on to 2021. And uh, in some ways, we were really on to 2021 because that was the final show at 1290. Yeah. <laughs> that I, was the last thing I said after 10 years on that station. I joke with you that, you know, it's crazy that Casey, you know, would lose that game. Basically self-inflicted us. I mean, the Mahomes interception at the end of the game there. I mean, falling forward, throwing. I mean, that's not a Patrick Mahomes play. I said, that's like, I think I saw Jameis Winston do that a couple times <laughs> in the Saints loss, and you did not appreciate that. But I think, is it safe to us to close? Can we close the book on Clyde Edwards Elaire? I know we had these, he was oh. like a first round fantasy pick last year. Um, I think the expectations for him are definitely uh, being lowered. 
I might be picking up Daryl Williams in fantasy right now. I have a feeling that he might be a little bit more reliable for uh, for the Chiefs. Um, but yeah, I mean, turnovers, that'll kill you. I mean, that was a great game, though. 71 points on the board, back and forth, and a big comeback by the Ravens, who uh, salvage a one-on-one start after their loss in an equally nuts game back on Monday against the Raiders. All right, we're going to get to it with Jeff Hamilton. We'll talk Bombers. We'll talk Jets right about now. I do want to give a big shout out to our friends and Donnie and the gang over at Manitoba Battery, our newest sponsor. They're at 1026 Logan. You can hit them up at 783-8787. And uh, they are the battery guys for everything with the best prices and the best service in town featuring automotive, industrial, farm, power sports, CDUs, sleds, and UPS backup supply batteries. Basically, if it needs a battery, Manitoba Battery has it. And, uh, you know, especially as we get into car season, you're going to be needing maybe a new battery for your ride. Many people just go to Costco and pick it up. Manitoba Battery will sell it to you for less than you'll get at the big box store, and they'll deliver it directly to your home. Find out more with everything going on, including their fall special for the maintainer, for your battery, for your summer car or boat, $20 right now. Keeps that thing juiced all winter long, so it's good to go in the spring. Uh, it's all there. Find out more. Check them out online at manitobabattery.com or pop down and see the guys at 1026 Logan. And uh, as I mentioned, Royal Sports was an absolute zoo outside all weekend long. Uh, the long-awaited tent sale. It had been two years since they've been able to do one. They had thousands of pairs of shoes. Incredible deals. But the deals don't stop this weekend. You can check out the clearance area at the back. And, of course, with hockey season pretty much upon us right now, uh, the biggest and best hockey selection of stick skates with experts to help you out, ready for you as you look to get back on the ice, not to mention all the great licensed merchandise from the NHL, National Football League, Major League Baseball, and, of course, the CFL and your Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Pop by and see them. Royal Sports, 750 Pembina Highway. And they are still hiring right now. If you've got maybe a young person that would love to work in a real cool store, hit them up on Instagram at Royal Sports Pembina. And uh, a big shout-out to our friends at Canadian Club. Going to be a little bit before we're back in the stadium with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Of course, CC is the official spirit of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, along with Jim Beam, Northern Keep, and Brugal Rum. All that action in the North End. Uh, but spice it up any day. Pop down to your local liquor mart and grab the good stuff. That is Canadian Club Whiskey. All right, let's get the hammer in here. Chop it up. Lots to talk about on all the local teams. Big win for the Bombers. Jets minicamp continuing and training camp coming up. Jeff Hamilton from the Winnipeg Free Press joins us now. What's going on? How are you? Huss, great to be on. I'm uh, I'm good. I'm a bit sore coming off a couple of days of uh, softball playoffs. I felt every second of being 35 years old. But uh, thanks to uh, some CBD and some uh, A535, I managed to get through the weekend. Just uh, feeling a little bit of it on a Monday. That's all. Nice. It's almost like you played in the game at Edmonton, feeling it after. Uh, and of course, you you don't need a bye week, but the Bombers get a bye week right now. We'll talk Jets in a minute, but uh, I mean, you've covered this team very closely for a number of years for the Winnipeg Free Press. I know you weren't in Edmonton, but certainly mm-hmm. watching the game, Jeff. Um, you know, this team, this game was probably closer than it should have been. Um, and the defense made a couple huge plays in the second half to sort of blow it wide open. But even trailing in the third quarter, there was never a moment where I was sort of concerned that they weren't going to win this game. Um, You know, rookie quarterback, tough spot for the Edmonton Elks. 
but it does seem like with the exception of the kicking game, which we'll get to in a minute, um, this team seems like it is in mid-season form right now, which is a lot more than you can say for many of their other contemporaries in the CFL. Oh, yeah, they're in a great position. I mean, uh, you'll hear everybody, anybody, whether it's the Winnipeg Blue Bombers or any other of the of the uh, eight other teams in the league, say that it's all about victories, right? And when you're 6-1, and one, um, you know, you're in a good position, particularly when you look across the league, and it's kind of everybody else in one area, well, to be fair, it's kind of Ottawa at the basement. Everybody else kind of not figuring out whether they want to, you know, go on a streak or just go 50-50 all season. Then you have the Bombers at six and one. Now, obviously, if you look at if you look at the weekend's game, um, you know, I think I think with these victories come greater expectations, right? I mean, this the narrative around the CFL, not just in Winnipeg, but across the country, whether you talk to scribes, whether you talk to broadcasters, I was actually listening to the Calgary game um, on radio and it was crazy um, during their halftime show. They were talking about the Bombers in the same kind of way they used to talk about the Calgary Stampeders. And it's just, you know, it's so I think with fans, the expectations are high, right? I mean, this is an, a real opportunity for them to go back to back. Um, you know, they've certainly separated themselves so far as we hit the midway point of the season. And um, when you're losing to a team in the third quarter, who, as you mentioned, is start, you know, a guy starting making his first CFL start and really only got one practice that week with the, with the number one offense. Um, as we know, Trevor Harris didn't go, didn't go down really until midway through the week. Yeah. I mean, of course people are going to be like, what gives? And then, you know, as you mentioned, the kicking game was, was you know continues to be a, a struggle and you know but all things told it was the defense that showed up and got those two touchdowns and when you look at it it was a what 15 point victory that's uh that's pretty convincing in the CFL. So all things considered, yeah, some rough spots, but but a smooth ending nonetheless. Well, and, and it was funny. We were kicking around. Uh, I joked that the, the big decision right now in Winnipeg is not the election. It's, uh, you know, who's going to be kicking next game for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And that yeah. will be a, uh, a, you know, an ongoing topic until a guy goes in and solidifies the job and gives people and management the confidence that, you know, he is the guy. But it was funny talking to Remo. Uh, you know, we saw what Alford did with the pick six. We're not talking about Winston Rose like we're talking about Justin Medlock right now because the guys that have come in in the secondary have been getting the job done, and they're still waiting for a guy that can kick cons- uh, uh, consistently right now for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, albeit the bar was raised very high with their former place kicker. Yeah, I mean, the reality is, is the Bombers are trying to address this situation. I mean, they, you know, they obviously, um, you know, you, you can look at it any way you want, but it must have been a cost measure. Obviously, um, Justin Medlock was making, you know, good money, more money than any other kicker in the league. Um, You know, I was doing both, both duties, obviously, but uh, you know, when they, you know, when they pretty much circumvented the cap this year and said, you got to spend to the, to, to the floor rather than the ceiling, just given all the financial problems through COVID uh, the Bombers decided to kind of go cheap on a kicker. And, you know, Mark Leggio is a, a good kid. You know, he, he, he may very well turn out to be a, a good, if not great kicker in the CFL as these years go by. But um, that was a bad gamble. And then you bring a guy like Tyler Carpina in to, 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 to fix the problem. And, you know, he's putting all of his frame into kicks and, you know, he's not making them. So all of a, all of a sudden he's not, you know, he's the, He's no longer the solution, and then he gets injured. I mean, I don't know if you saw Tyler Carpena's tweet, but he kind of took a shot at the kicking game. I don't think that guy's going to be wearing a Bombers jersey ever again. So, you know, <laughs> we don't. this will probably be the last time we talk about Tyler Carpena. And then 
Mark Leggio goes back, and I know I'm just kind of reliving this nightmare for Bomber fans, but, you know, he can't get it done. And then Ali Matarda has been – he comes into play, and, you know, now he's got to get through travel stuff, and he's kicking – you know, he finally does that, and then he's kicking well in practice. Well, when the lights turn on, um, yeah, not exactly a great performance. And and at the end of the day, I mean, I think, you know, Mike O'Shea's in a tough situation post game to address it. Uh, what's he supposed to say after a game like that? I mean, he's got to realize he can't damage the confidence of his of his current kicker. And, and so he kind of says it and frames it the way that is the only silver lining. And that's at least he's making it that far. <laughs> you know, like that, <laughs> that seems to be the that seems to be like the, the, the best part about this guy, guy's game is that he's at least getting the distance. He just needs to get the accuracy on. So he was um, close. Does that count? He was, well, I yeah, mean, he and he actually did but, kick quite straight. I mean, it just seemed like, you know, a little bit of an alignment would have taken care of it because on the converts, he was really good. And I exactly. mean, do you think, do you think he gets another shot? Like, do, do they roll him out I, again? I, I kind of do too. Absolutely. They do. I mean, I don't, I don't think they have another option. Like I, you know, like I don't think they can go, I don't think they're going to cut him after one game. Um, you know, I mean, Look, Mark Leggio, like I said, Leggio was not making kicks from 50 yards. And when I say not making, like literally not reaching the upright. So you kind of know what you have with him to ask a guy to straighten a kick out versus to tell him to get a stronger leg. Those are two (laughs) different ass. So absolutely this guy is going to be getting the opportunity this week, in my opinion. I don't know this for a fact, but I just, unless they have another kick, I mean, then you have the, you can't do it like you used to be able to do it with COVID. You can't bring a kicker in, get him kicking in two hours and then putting him in the lineup. He's got to go through quarantine stuff. And there's other stuff that you got to realize too, with these athletes is, are they vaccinated? Are they, there's so many checklists of finding guys. So the bombers have been looking and I'll say this. I've said this before. I believe on this show, I've certainly said this in my work. They are trying to call Justin Medlock. He is not picking up. Like he is not coming. Like this is not an effort. This is not a, you know, an idea that the Bobbers have just, you know, flown by. They want him here. That, you know, they 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 would love to have him here. He is not in a situation to move his family to Winnipeg and therefore will not be on the team this year. I mean, and that's his right, obviously. I don't know if he's even done, if he's even been kicking. I know he's got a full-time job, um, you know, out in California, but, you know, whether or not he's been putting that, I don't think he's been putting that meticulous work in that he's used to because why would he? He's not playing. So um, would he be an upgrade to all these guys? Absolutely. Would money be an issue? I don't know. But um, at the end of the day, that, you know, anyone who's wondering where Justin Medlock is or are the Bombers calling him, they're calling him. He's <laughs> and just he ain't not here. Coming. Yeah, he just ain't coming. So, yeah. Well, uh, I know Rob Mahoney uh, is saying you really think a 31-year-old just needs a tweak to finally become accurate. I, I guess I just meant it's his first CFL game, first time here in game situation and three-down football. The field's different. Um, like, if these were wildly inaccurate kicks, I would be like, oh, man, maybe they just move on. But yeah, no one's um, no, selling this guy after that performance, but you just can't ditch him under the current circumstances. So yeah. it's not that we're thinking, okay, yeah, a couple tweaks. Maybe it is a couple tweaks. I mean, this guy was kicking them in practice, and, you know, I understand the comment, and I'm not not agreeing with it. I just, at the end of the day, I mean, they don't have many options. So instead of killing this guy's confidence after one game that they won, you know, then they got to, you know, then they'll give them another opportunity. At the end of the day, though, like this is, it doesn't cost, you know, it doesn't, it's not an issue until it costs you. And the reality is, is the Bombers don't want to get into a neck and neck, particularly when it comes a one and done situation in the playoffs and they don't have this fix. So it is concerning. We're at the halfway mark of the season and it seems like it's only gotten worse, not better. 
But at this point in, in, in time, you need to ride this guy for at least one week to figure out if he is what you thought he was. Yeah, and, and you know what? And to the Bombers' credit for the team outside of the kicking game, I mean, they're good enough that it hasn't bit them yet. And that is a nice position to be in, but it's unrealistic to expect that that's going to continue all the way to the final game if you plan on winning the Great Cup. They will have to win some tight games. They are going to need a few big kicks this season if they want to get back to where they were in 2019. That's just a fact. Absolutely. And I mean, they know that they're not thinking, you know, like, I mean, they, they want to address this. They, it, they, they want this to be they understand this is the weak point. You know, special teams has been the weak point all season long. Um, they haven't found consistency and it's not just the kicking game. It's the return game as well. You get those pieces going. You can figure out, you know, at least the kicking situation. And you're in a real good spot if you're Winnipeg. It's just, you know, again, like I'm not defending the Bombers here. I'm not, you know defending Ali Mataro who had a bad bad going but at the end of the day I mean he's going to be in probably for another week and if you know if you're not doing your due diligence from the management side and trying to figure out who is available in the event that this doesn't work out well then then we can start kind of pointing fingers at uh at the Bombers in their efforts at least um Jeff you know we're halfway into this 14 game season the team's six and one they've been the class of the league and you, you see the performances that the offenses you know put together that season that Zach Caleros is having the way the receivers have stepped up after some pretty significant drops in that Toronto Calgary period mm-hmm. um and then the defense and what they're doing which really leading the way Adam Big Hill playing you know like a defensive player of the year candidate Willie Jefferson certainly in there Jeff Coat I mean, it all is going so well. Can we start talking about where this team might be able to rank amongst some of the great bomber teams? And again, we haven't had many in the course of the last 30 years. There was, of course, the 2019 team, the 2011 team. The defense, I think you can make some comparisons to. The offense, to me, is light years away uh, ahead of where the 2011. I mean, that team sort of got dragged to the Grey Cup. Mm -hmm. And then on top of it, when you think about how special that win was in 2019, this group does have an opportunity to, to permanently put this team in Winnipeg sports history as well as bomber history as, you know, not only a great team for this season, but part of an era of bomber football that, to be honest, had been missing for 30 years, well, really since the 80s. Yeah, I mean, as media, we often do that. I mean, we talk about things way before they happen and and what could it mean and, and whatever. So to answer your question, I mean, ultimately, yeah, those conversations can start. They probably already have started. Um, but at the end of the day, unless you win this year, you know, it'd it be, you know, if, if you're going to be the New England Patriots and win all season long and then then choke in the final um, when it matters, you know, like you, people aren't talking about that being the best team in, in Winnipeg, mm-hmm. right? Or, or you know, because at the end of the day, they'll look at 2019, they'll look at 90, 88, they'll look at the previous um, Grey Cup winning teams. And regardless of their win-loss record in the regular season, you know, you got to get it done in the playoffs. So, you know, I think what's interesting here, and, and this is, you know, put this in the chapter of thinking way too ahead of things. But, yeah, I mean, look at the Bombers this year. I mean, they're they're way better than all the other teams. They no longer have the Calgary Stampeders who don't even look like they're going to make the playoffs as that dominating team. Um, you know, that concern, that worry, you know, like there was a mental, there was a mental hurdle to playing Calgary and that no longer exists anymore. That, and, and I mean, at the end of the day, it, it, it speaks to the culture that Mike O'Shea has instilled here. This is all on, you know, most for the most part on Mike O'Shea and what he's been able to do here and the whole, you know, you know, fit in or F off, 
uh, slogan that they have and, and everyone pulls the same way and it, it benefits them, not just in, you know, their play on the field. It's benefited them in how they've handled COVID, um, you know, how they've had, you know, how, how they handle tough moments within games. Um, that cohesion has really paid dividends. And you wonder, you know, after years of mediocrity, when, when Mike O'Shea first started, you know, wondering when it would get to that point where it was becoming consistent. I think we're looking at it right now and the Bombers have a massive opportunity here to go back to back and again under the chapter of thinking way too far ahead if they can keep some of the players here and they will have that advantage um, because of what the players want to do here because they like the culture here because they you know like what's how the organization is is run from a from a football perspective um, you know they're going to have an opportunity to kind of build and they could be entering dare I suggest dynasty potentially if they can keep guys now again people are going to be rolling their eyes i i kind of roll my own eyes when i make that comment but there is a real opportunity this year and you start stringing together multiple great cups like even calgary couldn't really do that in their heyday right i mean this last 10 years they were they would kind of fall short in the great cup game and and so i mean i think where it works with barnes or where you can at least start thinking about the idea is about the fact that they can not only are they a skilled team they found their quarterback they can retain some of these guys they're not going to retain all of them because some of them are going to have massive seasons and they're going to chase the money knowing how short careers are. But ultimately, I think they're going to have an ability to bring a lot of guys back. So if they can make this year a special one, there's no reason to think that that momentum couldn't follow into the the ensuing years as well. Hey, just before we move on to uh, the Jets, a a big part of this team, and I was on a CFL this week earlier today with uh, James Sabalski and Donovan Bennett, and they were talking about Winnipeg, and we were talking about Canadian quarterbacks. But then we said, Mm -hmm. you know, well, maybe someone's going to have to break that glass ceiling. And we started talking about the running back position in the Canadian Football League. And 20 years ago, I mean, the thought of having an entirely Canadian depth chart at running back would have been unthinkable. Um, And then, you know, you got Messam and you got John Cornish and then, of course, Andrew Harris. And I still maintain that the signing of Andrew Harris might be, probably is, the most impactful free agent signing that this organization has maybe ever done, both on and off the field. Um, But I think of Harris. I think of Nick Dembski, who is turning into one of the best Canadian receivers in the national in the in the Canadian Football League. Um, obviously, Brady Oliveira, you know, all the Oak Park guys coming up, but the way Adam Big Hill sort of made Winnipeg his home, like it, it, the opportunity is there for this team to do something special. But you know, especially led by these hometown guys. Like the the legacy that this team and this group of players, especially the local guys, could leave would be um could be something really, really special and unlike anything that we've really seen, as I said, since uh, you know, some people don't even remember back in the eighties when the bombers were uh, winning regularly. Well, and that's the thing, Huss. I mean, not only are they local guys, but they're local stars, you know. I mean, I use uh, obviously Andrew Harris is a star. I mean, you could you could your argument about whether or not he's the greatest signing in, you know, Winnipeg Blue Blue Bombers history is certainly arguable. You know, you can make that argument 100%. I mean, what he's been able to do here, he's helped turn this organization around. When you have a 29-year Grey Cup drought and, you know, he's leading the way, not only the most outstanding Canadian, but MVP of that game, um, you know, that's 
<laughs> that's pretty much you can't write it any better, you know, from a local perspective. But I also think it, it helps off the field. I think these guys appreciate the city. I think they have a, an ability to educate guys about the city, about the community, about the culture, not just in the dressing room, but as a, you know, as an overall province and how important the bombers are. And, you know, how when they grew up, they they didn't see much success on the field and that this is a, a personal thing for them. You know, um, Nick Dembski, I mean, this is a side note, but that's what, what was it? 21 yards and six <laughs> missed tackles. I mean, that was like unbelievable. I, I've never seen a, I, I don't a know, run. If, I don't know if you're going to see a better run um, than that. And I mean, um, and Nick Dembski's like, you know, and this isn't a shot against Nick. Nick has certainly brings more value um, beyond the numbers and what he's recorded, but now he's getting the numbers. You know what I mean? He's not a guy who's had a thousand yard receiving season. I think he's capped out at less than 600. Um, you know, again, he brings other things. He brings a versatility. He can be in the run game. Guys will plan for him. So there is things that he does even when he doesn't have the ball, but he's kind of coming into his own this season and kind of doing what I think the Bombers thought he was capable of when they, when they lured him from, from Saskatchewan. So, you know, just to kind of round out, the whole the whole answer here is yeah there's a lot of guys whether it's Brady Oliveira you know Harris Dembski um, guys who have you know a, an affinity to this city a connection to the city where they grew up um, and it's or or it's it's the the entire team embracing the community which again I think falls into the Mike Mike O'Shea kind of impact um, you're seeing all the fruits of that effort if you will kind of come to fruition where you're not just racking up the wins. You have a team that you can be proud of. You have a team that, you know, handles themselves off the field courageously. They don't do, you know, they don't pull a lot of shit during games. Um, you know, they don't, they don't do stuff that, you know, I mean, melee aside in the, in the, in the, uh, in the banjo bowl, obviously, <laughs> but I mean, they don't do a lot of stuff like they, they, they hold their composure. So they're a team that, you know, I think you can, you know, if you're a fan base or a fan, whether you're in Winnipeg, Manitoba or outside, um, if you're a fan of the Bombers, I think you can be really excited just uh, obviously about some of the local homegrown talent, but just some of the men that, you know, that came from the United States and other parts of uh, outside of the province that have essentially made this place their home and a place that they just, you know, they want to give back to on the field and off. Yeah, I mean, kicking game aside, I think the best way I can put it is these guys are playing like champions right now. They've done it. They know that they can do it, and they're showing it uh, game in, game out right now. What a first half for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. It's 6-1, and one, first place in the West, first place in the CFL, and uh, the clear favorite for the 2021 Grey Cup. Jeff Hamilton is with the Winnipeg Free Press. Hey, if you're with us on YouTube, do us a favor. Hit that thumbs up. Give us some likes. And great to see everyone. Hammer always brings them out. Smash um, that got, button. Yeah, we've got lots to talk about. We obviously wanted to start off with a big game on the weekend. Uh, but I know you've been covering minicamp. Uh, we've got training camp coming up. I've got an interesting piece on Svechnikov from the weekend in the Winnipeg Free Press. But the interesting kind of breaking news that just came over the wire as we started the program the Sammy Niku era over in Winnipeg, um, oh, buying, out, buying out his contract um, so he can go out. No takers for Sammy Niku, which does surprise me. I mean, just the talent that he's shown. I can't believe that there wasn't a team that wouldn't have thrown a late round draft pick. But um, just what do you make of uh, Sammy Niku being done with the Winnipeg Jets? Free Niku. You know, I mean, oh, he's I, free. He's there's very nobody, free. There's nobody who's been held hostage more on this team than Sammy Niku. And I'm not this guy who's like, you know, play Sammy Niku. Niku, he's, you know, he deserves to play because he's had shots. He's had opportunities. He hasn't done, you know, a lot with them. I mean, again, I, I can see both sides of the argument of wanting to get him in and playing. Obviously, you have, you know, 
had a lot of success at the American Hockey League level. But like, man, like all last season, like this guy wasn't going anywhere. Like they weren't trading them. They weren't like they weren't helping. Like, you know, a lot of teams and I'm not I'm not saying the Jets are unique in this, but like some teams will just, you know, if it's not working out with you. And you don't have a lot of you know people like looking to, to trade for him. You kind of help him out, and you you ultimately release him so he can kind of do something with his career. So well, that just happened, right? So it finally <laughs> happened, and it's kind of been like that. You know, it, it, what's changed? Like they've just decided that they just picked up two you know two great defensemen, and that very well be might be the case, and it makes sense. You know, I, I thought that wouldn't be a surprising development. Because Are you surprised you, that there wasn't a taker for Niku, like for a sixth or a seventh round pick? Here's I, why I'm not surprised. I, I, I'm not saying, I, you know, they're absolutely. Like, you'd think that some some team would take, you know, you only need one other team, right? I mean, you don't need, a, you know, a bidding war or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> you, we don't, like, I mean, they, the Jets hold their cards pretty close to their vests. So what whether there was interest or not, maybe it just wasn't what the Jets, they weren't getting what they wanted. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you couldn't get something for him at one point. There wasn't an offer at all. I have a hard time believing that. But the reason why, you know, it's not surprising to me is just knowing a lot about this game. People talk, you know, managers talk. And Sammy Niku has played well on the ice at certain points. He's also done some, you know, things that haven't been good. He's chirped at coaches. He's done certain things. And like, you know, so if you if you get kind of a reputation of that, and people start calling circles and yada, yada, yada. Now, again, this is just pure speculation for me and perhaps a slightly irresponsible. But um, I just think it might be just like a small world where it's like mm. some of that stuff maybe caught up to him. But here's the thing. I mean, all that aside, now that he is free, I hope he goes out and, you know, and and proves the doubters wrong. I hope he goes somewhere and gets an opportunity. You know, I mean, he's a young guy. He Again, he's had a lot of success at the AHL level. I mean, he's had some some growing up to do with, you know, having a kid and, and establishing a relationship here in Winnipeg. So there's things that he's had to deal with that, you know, myself at 35 haven't even to de- deal with. So you got to put a little bit of perspective here on things. Um, and so, you know, I'll just kind of leave that answer off with, I hope he goes and kills it somewhere else you know i hope he proves people wrong and i hope he you know grows and and uh you know nothing but good things for the guy and now that he's that's going to be somewhere else other than winnipeg and i'm sure you know in a way both sides are happy particularly yeah i guess my big question is i wonder whether it's in north america or whether it's uh over over in europe i mean good question like like the fact of the matter is that he was there for the taking for essentially almost nothing and nobody jumped at it um I mean, I think a team would be smart, you know, especially if you're like a Detroit or a New Jersey or one of these teams that is rebuilding. Hell, Arizona. I mean, get a guy in, let him play and, you know, see what see what you can do. Probably not. I mean, the guy's probably not going to be a centerpiece of a contending team anytime soon. But um, I will be, you know, where he goes from here will be interesting because he did show some glimpses of brilliance at times. It wasn't a complete package. And I think that's part of the reason why we're having this conversation today. Um, yeah, you wrote it, you're out of minicamp on the weekend. And again, we won't ask you like, how was this guy looking? How was this guy looking? Cause you're just doing Good. a bunch of drills. We, we will see how these players are looking come Thursday though. And in mm-hmm. a lot of ways, a good opportunity for these guys to familiarize themselves with the coaching staff, the organization, many of them in the first time before they get a chance to show what they can do against the guys that are expected to be in that starting lineup when the team gets going in uh, in Anaheim. 
Yeah, and that's exactly what uh, what head coach Paul Maurice said. You know, and these some some of these guys didn't get the opportunity last year to to come to camp, or there was no development camp. Um, so, I mean, this is just you know for those guys that move on to the training camp, the official training, because there's other guys that will move on to college or junior, and there's an understanding that they're not going to be at the training camp or whatever. But for those that those guys that do, this is the opportunity to kind of dust off some of those you know, rust or whatever, you know, so whatever, you know, get out some of the nerves because, you know, some of these kids are going to be nervous. And that's where I think a message from, you know, Paul Maurice saying there isn't really going to be judgment here through the first three days, um, you know, bodes well for this team because, you know, there's a confidence in Winnipeg. Even Paul Maurice talked about how with the, you know, the, the team they have this year, at least on paper, they look like real contenders. They addressed a major issue on defense. They always had the goaltending. The forwards are stacked. So this is kind of the season. So there's a little bit of an ease, I think. I mean, you look at the last couple training camps and whether it's been, you know, contract holdouts, whether it's been, you know, Dustin Bufflin, obviously not coming. I mean, there's been a little bit of drama, if you will, to start some of these camps. And this is the first year where you pretty much buckled up everybody and it's go time from day one. So, um, you know, for me, it's, you know, I, I think it's, it's, you know, great for these young kids. I think they mostly understand the situation with it, but I love what, I, what the beauty of sport is, is there's always going to be surprises. It doesn't matter if you get drafted. Well, it does matter if you get drafted in the first versus later rounds because they do invest in you. <laughs> However, you know, when push comes to shove, it's what you can do at camp and you're seeing that in this in this rookie camp guys really battling right and so i think there's a, a you know a, a little bit of um, an effort maybe from the coaching staff to again this is business this is you know to be taken extremely serious but try to enjoy a little bit at the same time like don't be you know don't be going home and you know having you know doubting yourself non-stop over a rookie camp and let's let's see what happens over the next few days and ultimately the next couple weeks here now um you got a had a neat piece in the uh, in the free on the weekend on Evgeny Svechnikov. And uh-huh. Svechnikov, speaking of former first-round picks, um, I-, I remember doing shows in Calgary with Pat and the guys on 960, and we were talking about the remaining free agents out there. And uh-huh. you pretty much went down the list, and everyone was 34, 35, 37, 38. Totally. And then there's a 24-year-old former first-rounder that's on the market. And, you know, what happened in Detroit is all ancient history. Speaking of fresh starts, he's getting that fresh start here. But it is an interesting situation, a little bit of a junior connection with Pierre-Luc Dubois, certainly has that first round pedigree. Um, And he's on a unique contract where he's essentially signed with the Moose. I think most of us expect that there'll be a two-way deal signed after the first day of the season because it'll be easier to get in under the cap. But uh, tell tell our listeners a little bit more about this Svechnikov situation and what he might be able to do for his career here in Winnipeg and what he might be able to bring to the Winnipeg Jets. Yeah, I mean, this is a guy who, like you said, Huss is 24 years old. And and you just sometimes, like even as a reporter, like you look at some of these guys' ages and you look at like how long they've been playing pro hockey for. And it's like, wow, like he's been playing for years and years, but he's only 24 years old, which is a unique age. And, and again, you know, just to echo what you said, like he specifically said he didn't want to talk about the issues in Detroit. He did admit there were some. He did admit that he was looking forward to a clean slate in Winnipeg. He said Winnipeg was his decision. Um, he wanted Winnipeg from the, like from very early on, uh, whether that has to do with the Pierre-Luc Dubois connection or not, at least in part it does. But, you know, he just had an affinity for Winnipeg. Um, but he ultimately needed the mental reset too. And, and I think, you know, hockey teams, when you look at 24 years old as a first-round draft pick, as a forward, um, you know, you look at – 
you look at opportunity and he played 21 games last year. And so for him, I think he, you know, saw a team that wasn't doing very well. Obviously the Detroit Red Wings have been in a tough spot for the last couple of years as they continue to rebuild their organization. Um, you know, and he wasn't getting the, you know, probably the playing time that he wanted. I do think it's a, a pretty interesting that, um, you know, he chose Winnipeg just because of their forward depth, but, um, the four, as good as the, the the Winnipeg Jets are up front, you know he's not vying for top six necessarily minutes. You know he he brings a physicality to his game. Um, he, he obviously feels he can score offensively, but he can bring you know a bit of a toughness, whether that's to the third line, fourth line, what have you. I think he sees a real opportunity there and and a willingness, most importantly, to start with the moose to get the opportunity and to take that opportunity. And I think it's one of those things where maybe he surprises, maybe he doesn't. I don't know. It's going to be tough sledding for him potentially this year, but maybe not. I mean, um, he's a guy who's determined. He you know he's he's saying the right things he, he he's he's grind you know he's grinding out there he's battling out there so he you know you can see that that passion and there's no ego either and so if, if there's a little bit of you know if there's a little bit of um some some you know familiarity with Pierre-Luc Dubois and that's helping him kind of feel more comfortable with the guys as you said he's got that confidence as a former first round pick um you know maybe it works out and that's the, that's kind of the beauty of finding these guys you kind of hope some of them do work out and so whether or not you know that's the situation for him I think he's got the right approach I think he has the right you know so far as the right work ethic and all those things and um ultimately is going to be battling for a spot that's pro hockey but I think he probably looks at Winnipeg and this is me just speculating but I think he looks maybe at a two-year opportunity here, right? I mean, if he if it takes him a year to prove that he's that guy on the moose or if it takes half a season, whatever, I think he can look at Winnipeg in a two-year kind of look and see if there is opportunity because he, you know, he's looking to seize that one, obviously, here. Yeah, well, and the other thing from uh, from a player in his situation, I know we look at Winnipeg and we think about all this high-end talent sort of in the top six, but with the exodus of Perot, Mm-hmm. and Nate Thompson and Trevor Lewis. And yes, there's some young players in the organization that would maybe have inside track on some of these jobs. But I maybe. mean, the, the bottom of the forward group is a very different situation than we've got at the bottom of the defense core. And that, of course, is a big story, you know, with, you know, in all likelihood, Hanel and Sandberg, you know, just having no room, even if they play out of their minds, they'll probably start with the Manitoba Moose. That's not the case if you're trying to win a depth job for Paul Maurice in uh, the bottom six for the Winnipeg Jets up front. No, completely agree. And I mean, factor in injuries and you might be in there sooner than you expect and maybe not necessarily earning it. Now that's obviously going to be the goal is to earn it. But, um, you know, we see a lot of injuries in the bottom six. They don't play a ton of minutes, but, um, you know, we, we see them in the top six. So guys, you know, guys get promoted from the bottom six to the top six in some instances. Right. So, um, you know, certainly an op- like, you know, when you look at the grand scheme of things, that question of, well, why would you want to come to Winnipeg? As you kind of alluded to, it's uh, it's probably a bit more of a, a, a real question to a blue liner rather than a forward, particularly one that wants to fit in there. If you come in here and you want to be a scoring guy and you're at 24 years old and you haven't really carved out your career and you, and you think you're an all, you know, an around the net kind of sniper. Yeah you're probably in in tough here in Winnipeg but if you if you come here with the attitude that you're going to be a hard worker if you're going to you know be hard on the puck hard puck battler and, and like I said you know I've seen that from him so far in, in in this mini camp the Jets need that you know they want guys who are hard on the puck to play those bottom uh you know two 
bottom six role. So, you know, he's a guy who certainly is in the conversation and all those things we mentioned about him, not just what we've seen the last few days, but what he's been able to do over the last few years, particularly at the AHL level um, and some cases the NHL level. He is going to be viewed as a guy who's experienced, who's capable and uh, is probably worthy of an opportunity sooner than later. Yeah. uh, And, and, you know, just as it pertains to the bottom six, um, I mean, when we get going with the main camp on Thursday, um, you know, the battle between Veselainen and Harkins and Gustafson and Riley Nash and Svechnikov, you know, uh, those guys in that mix, I think is maybe going to be the most interesting storyline of training camp. Uh, I think everyone's going to be looking to see how Pierre-Luc Dubois looks with his new number, uh, you know, with the full, I mean, because I don't think there's a bigger story for the Winnipeg Jets when it comes to one player achieving his potential and what they thought they were getting in him than Dubois for both personally and the success of the team. And then of course the backup goalie situation. I mean, Eric Comrie, it's his job to lose, but I do think it's imperative for him to come out, have a strong camp, play well in the preseason and sort of start establishing himself early as opposed to just the next guy that's getting a shot because he makes league minimum. Absolutely. I mean, touch on a couple of those things. Pierre Dubois is the number one storyline. I mean, he's obviously under contract for this season and as an RFA. So, so he's essentially playing for his deal, his next deal. Um, but he's also, you know, I mean, last year was a weird year. You know, it was a year. There's less excuses this year, if, if you will. I'm not, you know, I mean, I, I think Pierre-Luc Dubois, he obviously took a lot of heat. I don't, you know, I don't think he ignored that heat, you know, to his credit. I think he addressed it. I mean, we were asking him almost every day, if not every second day, you know, where, where's his game at? You know, what's he, you know, how many times you asked a season, you know, what do you think of your game? Like it, it weighs on you a little bit. So um, certainly a big storyline and, and yeah, absolutely with, uh, with the goaltending. I mean, Eric Comrie, if you look at his history, I mean, yeah, absolutely. I'll give you an absolute fact. Might be the nicest guy in the National Hockey League. You know, he might be, the, you know, that guy, the most trustworthy guy, but he hasn't proven that between the pipes. And so, you know, we've talked about it every year that, you know, should Connor Hellebuck be playing less games? He's proven us wrong. He's capable of doing it, yada, yada, yada. But eventually he's only getting older. So he can't be, you know, responsible decision would be to, to, to probably limit some of those those excess games, you know, to a certain number. But if you don't have the goaltender to back them up and get those victories, like you had in Laurent Poissois for, for stretches over the last couple seasons, you know, it's, it can cost you in the standings. It's enough to cost you first place, um, you know, and that's, and that's having Connor Hellebuck get his fair share, you know, his, is whatever. If he goes down, the Jets finally find themselves in a tough situation. Now, obviously there's trades and other things you can do to bring a more experienced goaltender um, in, in, in a pinch. But yeah, I think if you're, you know, what you'd like to see from a guy that you drafted, that a guy that just played musical chairs essentially last season and ended up back here to actually get, you know, to have that opportunity to be that number two heading into a season finally in Winnipeg. Um, there's a point of pride on both sides there. First as an organization who drafted them and obviously as a guy who started his career here. So one, one thing I can certainly say about Eric Comrie, he's going to be motivated. He's going to be focused. You know, he's going to put the work in. It's whether or not that work translates to uh, success and ultimately stops uh, when it comes to putting them in between the pipes. Uh, you should be following Jeff on Twitter at Jeff K Hamilton and uh, reading his work in the Winnipeg free press. Uh, what do you got cooking up at the free for uh, this week heading into camp? Oh, it's a bit of a, a GA week with the Bombers on by, but I got a couple of, you know, GA being general assignments. So it's kind of got to come up with my own ideas, but uh, Jets coming up a couple different days this week. Training camp obviously kicks off Thursday. So lots of uh, always busy times and then getting ready for, um, 
getting ready for Vancouver next week when the Bombers get back on the field. Should be an exciting week uh, overall. Right on, dude. Great to have you back on the program. Let's do this again soon. Always a pleasure. Another and shout out to the commenters. You guys, you know, you make this show. So I uh, love you guys. Take care. DQ Nick popped in the chat as well. Dropped some hammer oh, emojis no. in there. What's, he, what's, he, say, what's he saying about yeah. yeah, okay. Uh, he said that Niku sucks. Single. That was that was his hot take. Niku sucks. It sounds like he's happy that uh, the, 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 the Niku era is over and we can move on to other topics in the city. Well, I'm glad he's bringing the fire, but you know, I'll, <laughs> I'll go back to my original comment and say, Nico, Niku, do it for uh, do it for those haters like uh, like Nick Hads. Anyway, <laughs> and go to DQ. You guys awesome. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Great stuff. Thanks, uh, there he is, Jeff Hamilton from the Winnipeg Free Press. And yes, speaking of the Nick and Nikki DQ group, of course, they've got four great locations, the DQ in Polar Park, the DQ in Niverville, as well as DQ Northgate and DQ St. Anne's. And today only, DQ Nick is firing up a little special for the Winnipeg Sports Talk gang. 50% off all the cakes at DQ Northgate and DQ St. Anne's. So head on down there after work, maybe before dinner. Heck, grab a couple. Get one in the freezer for the weekend when uh, when things get going. Of course, Nick, great sponsors of ours. While you're there, maybe grab a burger, grab a blizzard. But today, 50% off DQ ice cream cakes at the DQ on Northgate and the DQ on St. Anne's. Uh, big shout out to our friends over at Not Auto Corp. You know them with some of the best vehicles and the best deals when it comes to getting cars here in the city. But they've also just announced the opening of the new Winnipeg Car Lab. Uh, Wraps for vehicles, tinting, striping, rims, all sorts of neat stuff. If you're going to trick out the vehicle, follow them on Instagram, TikTok, all the socials at Winnipeg Car Lab. And if you're in the market for a car, why not get into a great deal with the help of the Not Auto Corp team? Waverly and McGilvery, or find out more at not.ca. And uh, might be time for a trip to Boston Pizza. I think we're going to have to be doing our Jets ticket draft this week. Looking forward to that. Of course, Monday Night Football tonight is the Packers and the Lions. The Boston Pizza welcoming everybody back into the restaurants, obviously with proofs of vaccination right now. Uh, Big game tonight. Get some wings, some pizza, cold ones, big sound at all of your local Boston Pizza locations. All right. We've talked Bombers. We've talked Jets. Let's get into some NFL coming out of the week and before tonight's Monday Nighter. And we always love talking about the three down and the four down game with Mo Khan of TSN in Montreal. Mo, welcome back. How you been? I'm well. I'm well. Actually, you know what? I do need a DQ cake, but you guys are in Winnipeg. So I'm going to have to do it in Montreal here. So there's a little, uh, you know, interlock over here of cakes from Winnipeg to Montreal. No doubt about that. Hey, just before we get into the NFL, um, what do you think about the weekend of the Canadian Football League? Uh, you know, the, the Alouettes. Uh, you know, I, at one point they had 442 yards of offense and had put up 15 points on the board. Hmm. Um, they certainly moved the football. They just couldn't get anything done in the red zone. Is it as simple as that? Yeah, pretty much. You know, doing against stats for TSN in the booth, uh, they they didn't play bad in the sense that you know their defense held BC in check for most of it, except for three big plays by the Lions on offense. But we go back to our last conversation we had earlier in the month, Andrew, that for Vernon Adams, they have to figure out what is the issue with him at this point? Because he moves the ball fairly well from the 20 of their own end to the other 20 of the opposing end, but can't get the six or seven points at the end of the day. And as I said to you before about him being a game manager, it's become like that where he's had these game manager moments and then a great game here and there, as he did against Ottawa last week before Labor Day. But now for the Alouettes, there's a 
three-game run against division opponents of Ottawa, Toronto, and Hamilton. They have to come away with at least two out of three wins here because if they don't, they're going to put themselves in a bad position that we could see a crossover team again from the West going towards the East for the playoff run. So the margin of error is getting a little bit smaller here for the Alouettes, Andrew, but they got to be much better in the offensive end than they were on Saturday against BC. Hey, you know, we're all gaga over the Bombers and the way they've been playing here in Winnipeg. Right. I mean, you're far out of the market. What do you see in the Bombers, and what is the talk about the 6-1 and one blue and gold at the midway point of the season? So, you know, I'll, I'll give you a Simpsons ref because you always get, though, inside <laughs> jokes, right? You remember when Superintendent Chalmers went to the uh, Springfield Elementary School doing the assessment? He's, all right, uh, uh, Skinner, I'm going to put the uh, zero first and then put a line to, you know, indicate the vertical one to make it a 10 out of 10, and they have a big blow up. So right now, the, Win- the Winnipeg Blue Bombers is my team that will go to the Grey Cup at this moment of the year. They've been far dominant. Look, watching those games against Sask back-to-back were fairly important because how well they played coming out of the gates for those two games and, of course, this past week. I just think the Bombers right now are the best fit from top to bottom in all three phases. And if they're going to stay healthy, Andrew, this team, any anyone going through Winnipeg, I can't see it happening so they're my favorites to come out of the West right now to play in the Great Cup in Hamilton in early December. Yeah, no, the team looking very, very good. All right, let's get to the foot uh, four-round game. Mo, let's start with the primetime game. I'm hearing about it from folks in the chat who know that I was devastated at the late fumble <laughs> from Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Um, listen, I think the Chiefs will be fine, although pretty concerning performance for the run defense. I mean, they got absolutely gashed. And, you know, credit to Lamar Jackson for raising his level of play uh, in a big game against Kansas City, a team that he had not be- uh, not beaten yet. Uh, what were your takeaways from, uh, from last night's uh, 36-35 thriller? It was like a thunderstorm. The Ravens had a, had a 10-minute window in the fourth quarter where they just took over the football game. Um, I don't remember. I don't recall the last time the Chiefs did not score a single point in the fourth quarter. They were shot out twelve nothing in the fourth quarter. Um, they were outplayed. The, the, you mentioned the run defense. I was more concerned about the pass defense. Or, you know the, the pass rush. They didn't have that. You know at the most important times of that football game. And I just think in terms of what happened, it was Lamar Jackson and no one else that beat this Kansas City Chiefs on his legs and on his arm. He just made these unorthodox throws that were completed for touchdowns. Uh, he was making running lanes that opened up that weren't there against the Raiders on Monday Night Football last week. And that's where I thought the Ravens really came up a big because this being a home game for them with so many guys down for the count, 15 guys on IR as we speak, uh, they played really well for that matter. And look, if this was a three-quarter game, Chiefs win that football game. We're talking about Lamar Jackson. Can he win the big one against Patrick Mahomes? And go back to that fumble, Andrew. Look at the blocking scheme that happened. Joe Tooney, the guy that they invested in with so much money from the Patriots that they brought down to KC, he misses blocking Owe, who created a fumble. If he blocks Owe for at least a half a second, I don't think Edwards Hiller fumbles that football. And we're talking about the Chiefs probably being 2 0 than being 1 1 in the AFC West. Yeah, the, um, yeah, a bit of a bitter pill. But sometimes it's good if that happens early on in the season. Although my dream of a twenty and zero season is now uh, has now been put to bed for doing a Madden though, right? You can play Madden me. easy rookie yes, mode, right? I might have to do it in Madden. That that's about the only <laughs> place we're going to run the table this year. Um, some really interesting. Well, let's stay in the AFC West for a minute because the Chiefs and Chargers, the top two teams, I think by most um, pundits going into the year are actually a game behind the Raiders and the Broncos. Um, But that Cowboys-Chargers game was interesting. It had a little bit of everything. It had some elite offense and some terrible decision-making, both by quarterbacks 
and head coaches. Um, and Mike McCarthy, uh, can you imagine if they had just barely missed that 56-yarder after, for some reason, just letting the clock run down 23 seconds and then kicking it from you know from that point? Um, a huge win for the Cowboys. But man, the meetings for both teams going into this week, I think, are going to be a little bit uncomfortable. Yeah, you know, when you look at Greg Zerline, I mean, I had him in fantasy football, so that was a big five-pointer for me last night. <laughs> big five-pointer for me a last bomb. night. But this this game was done and dusted, I believe, with the Chargers' inability to score touchdowns in the red zone. Look how many trips they had. They got too cute at times with their play calling. This this reminded me of Anthony Lynn, right? These close games, the, the <laughs> LA-San Diego Chargers, when they were under his watch, were terrible. I think it was like 18 and 35 under his watch when games decided by seven points or less. And I just thought that they got too cute with their play calling. Uh, Justin Herbert, you know, had some easy throws that resulted in penalties. Uh, that late play where Jared Cook, that, that taunting call that pushed them back. There were so many miscues by L.A. that I thought they should have won this football game outright. But look, for the Cowboys to do what they did, I mean, their offense played decently well. They got Pollard and they got Zeke Elliott the football, which was missing in week one against Tampa, able to run the ball very well. And also the receiving core did fairly well for themselves. But I just thought from the defensive perspective where I thought the Chargers had the advantage with their O-line against that front seven for the Dallas Cowboys, that was not an effort at all by the by the Chargers' front five. Mika Parsons playing out of position as a rush end was creating havoc, quarterback pressures on Justin Herberts, and that can happen. You're, you're asking a linebacker who he himself said haven't played this position since high school, but made things a lot more uncomfortable for the opposition out there. That shouldn't happen. I think for Coach Staley and for this Chargers team, this was a missed game for them for a in a key 4.30 window afternoon matchup at home, well, mostly a cowboy crowd that it was in L.A. as we've seen so far, this would have been a statement game to say, look, the L.A. Chargers are in play to compete for that division and perhaps uh, upend the Chiefs and be the best of the West right now, but a bad loss, I think, for the Chargers in Week 2. Well, and of course, the Chargers and Chiefs play at Arrowhead in the early slate of games next week, and one of those teams is going to be 1-2. and two. Uh, And then you got the Broncos and Raiders. I, you know, the Broncos were playing the Jags. I mean, pretty nice start, albeit on the road, you know, at the Giants, at the Jags. They're 2-0. and I'll tell you what, what a six days for the Las Vegas Raiders. I mean, that epic win on Monday night, and then they followed it up. I didn't think they had it in them, but um, that's a pretty big win against a damn good Steelers defense. Yeah, a good win against, against Pittsburgh because, again, coming off a five-day layover, cross-country trip, 1 o'clock kickoff, local time, 10 o'clock, Vegas time for their bodies, and they played well. But I, I just wonder for the Raiders because, again, Andrew, we talk about this team, Monday Night Football, should have lost that football game. There was no reason why they should have won that. They beat a depleted Raven team here. Going on the road, I give them props. They beat the Steelers in the backyard, even though we're missing TJ Watt and others. Made Big Ben look ordinary. But if I were to compare the two, the Denver Broncos and the Vegas Raiders right now, I think the Broncos are more stable because they have a better defense to work with, with playmakers on that side of the football. We still are questioning the Raider defense or whether or not they're legit or not. I just think from Teddy Bridgewater, he plays well in that system now being employed. And I just think from the Raider perspective here, can you trust this team, given the unknowns on their front seven? They have a good, they have had a good two-week start on defense. But let's go on to the flip side of the receiving court. Can you trust Henry Ruggs the third? Can you trust uh their their the supporting cast to be there that's not named Darren Waller? 
So I just think right now the Ravens are off to a good start, but more questions right now about their supporting cast than what the Broncos have right now. But I think those two teams will be in play. And I think the Broncos going into the year, I believe, would be an under-the-radar wildcard team contender if they can get into the seventh spot moving towards January. It wouldn't surprise me at all, actually, if two playoff teams, two wildcard teams come out of the AFC West in addition to a division champion, especially with that extra playoff spot this year. Mo Khan is with us. Let's move over to the NFC Anyone strutting around on a Monday feeling better than Sam Darnold is right now about uh, his landing spot? A big win. And man, for Jameis Winston, everyone was talking about his five touchdown performance. We got to see the good and the bad of Jameis yesterday afternoon. Yeah, this is this is a trap game in my books coming in talking about this on TSM Montreal that this is a trap game for the Saints because people are going to be hyped up about Jameis Winston for what he did again in week one against Green Bay. But look, this Panther team, they're good. Like I mean, they're starting to grow under Matt Rule. That defense is getting better week by week. Remember, they invested in Rule's first draft all defense, okay? And then they said, look, we got to build that up from scratch on top here. Now, with Sam Darnold, the biggest difference for him this year compared to his time in New York, Joe Brady, the OC, right? Joe Brady was the OC in LSC with Joe Burrow. Look what he did for Burrow. And no career. Adam Gase. No Adam Gase, exactly, right? <laughs> but when you think about Brady, though, he he put Joe Burrow from who was projected to be a third or fourth round draft pick to a first overall pick in a span of 12 months. Now, I'm not saying Sam Donald's going to be like Joe Burrow here and throw 45 million touchdowns, but he is now transformed, at least in the early going, Sam Donald's mindset as being a franchise quarterback that he's made some big throws. He's used the, the balance attack very well with DJ Moore or Robbie Anderson one week to the other. Uh, Christian McCaffrey less on his on his plate in terms of the touches that he gets per game here. So there's no question in my mind that Carolina looks like a team going in the right direction. Sam Donald's proven his worth. And let's not forget, Andrew, he wants that second contract, that big payday contract. And right now he's showing that he could be a franchise quarterback if he continues ascending towards the top as he's done so far in the first two weeks. If you're walking around the city today it's seen some people walking like zombies chances are they're minnesota vikings fans um the vikes i mean pretty impressive offensive performance uh, listen the d was really up against it and kyler murray but it always seems to come down to a kick for the minnesota vikings and after joseph had been so good i mean kicking that bomb in game number one to get to overtime before they lost what a tough pill to swallow, missing that 37-yarder from dead center in a dome stadium. And that's the difference between a win or a loss, and that could absolutely be a, a loss that cost them a wild card spot. Well, forget about that. It's all about a keep to leave in the broadcast yesterday. The best. Was- <laughs> by the way, by the way, so I was at a bar at watching the games, and right. we had the sound on the Cowboys-Charger game. But once I realized a keep was on, I made a point. I will be... PVRing whenever the NFL network returns that. Did the funniest thing when Akib is calling the Cardinals games is that he pronounces Kyler Murray calamari. Well, it's, it's a Texas slang thing, yeah. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, it literally sounds <laughs> like the appetizer you'd be ordering at uh, Calamari's. But uh Calamari was good, and Akib is by far the most entertaining color guy in the game. So there was a line, and I don't want to misquote him, but let's put it this way. When you rewatch the game, there was a play that I think it was, I think it was Minnesota on offense. It was a tight throw. It was completed. And Gus goes, wow, that came out of the cannon. And then Akeem goes, well, Gus, it looked like it came out of like from a 9-millimeter, that, that, that throw, <laughs> right? So you got I had the quote on my phone. I quoted it and put it on Twitter. But when he said 9-millimeter, I, I understood what he meant. But it's the fact he used it on Fox, right, which is considered to be the conservative – station by nature it was 
Awesome. And I love Akeem Tlaib. I want him to be natural, which he was with Gus Johnson. So that was fun to watch. But back to the question at hand here. So the Minnesota Vikings, <laughs> like, this is a team that is no question under pressure right now with Mike Zimmer as a head coach. We know that he's on the hot seat. And the way it came out in training camp with how things didn't go off well with the COVID-19 protocols, with Kirk Cousins kind of saying, no, I'm not going to do it. And then him kind of saying, well, bleep all you guys. You need to do it because we need to be healthy and playing football. This was on their defense. They couldn't come up with a stop on third and fourth down. There was that play to Christian Kirk that was unreal, where literally on his back foot, Kyler Murray, five foot six, all of him, put all his might into that throw and made that throw to Christian Kirk on the completion. Uh, this stop from that perspective for the Minnesota Vikings, I'm not going to put this on the offense because they played fairly well when it mattered most, but that was a loss on the defense and Mike Zimmer not having these guys ready for Kirk. Hopkins and A.J. Green for what they did. But, like, for Cliff Kingsbury, who's also a guy who might be in the hot seat, this was a much-needed win because if he lost his football game at home, people would have said, well, look, do we trust his gimmick offense? Right now, so far, it's looking like it's okay that we're seeing Kyler Murray look like how he was in the first half of the 2020 season compared to the second half of last year. Um, Let's quickly touch on the rookies, uh, all the rookie quarterbacks. Tough day for Trevor Lawrence. I mean, the Jacksonville situation seems like it's going to take a while to turn around. And my God, Zach Wilson, uh, home debut, (laughs) four picks, uh, murdered by the Patriots. And then there's Mac Jones, who goes out, doesn't turn the football over. You know, not incredible numbers, but a a big workmanlike win for the Patriots. And Justin Fields got in there, too. Um, what, what do you make of the Sunday for uh, all the uh, the freshman class of the National Football League at the QB position? Very twitchy for that for that rookie class because you're talking about guys who are going to organizations uh, that well, like I think minus the Patriots are a bit questionable, right? Questionable. The Jets, uh, a new revamp of structure with Salah, with Lafleur being the head coach and OC. Uh, in that market, very tough to thrive in, right? We look at the Chicago Bears. Matt Nagy's coaching for his job along with Ryan Pace as the GM. So now you know with Andy Dalton out that this will be Justin Fields' team for the for the present moving forward here because they need to have W's and really impress in that division. I just think for Trevor Lawrence, my my question mark about Urban Meyer is this. He needs to alleviate that throwing situation from Lawrence and allow James Robinson to carry the rock. That's something they've not done so far in the first two weeks because you're talking about a questionable O-line for Jacksonville, Andrew, that can't pass protect. You need to allow James Robinson to be that bell cow for now until Lawrence is much more comfortable at this level of professional football. And I just, I just think overall, for these quarterbacks drafted, Trey Lance did not play. For these quarterbacks drafted, it's all about where you land. Guys like Trey Lance, guys like Mac Jones, they're in better situations where there's a proper structure from top to bottom here that will enable them to be much better quarterbacks in two, three years' time from now. But I feel bad for the confidence for these young guys because if these guys continue to throw INTs and get hit nonstop by year three or four, they could become like Sam Darnold and just lose other confidence or like Carson Wentz be banged up and retire earlier than expected. Mo Khan of TSN 690 in Montreal is our guest breaking down the week in the National Football League. Before we go, Mo, let's talk about this Monday night or tonight. Normally, a Packer-Lion game on Monday night would be, uh, it might be one of the ones you say, well, maybe I can go to a movie that night. But I think the intrigue about how the Packers bounce back from that absolute humiliation last week in Jacksonville against the Saints, losing 38-3, to one of the worst games of Aaron Rodgers' career, um, it makes this game very intriguing. Not to mention the fight we saw in the Lions last week in almost miraculously coming back against the 49ers after they were down, what, 24 points, like well into the fourth quarter. 
Um, I think this is now is about up to about a 12 point spread. Is this going to be a massacre where the Packers get back on track or uh, are we going to see more issues with Green Bay that um, flared up in spades in uh, week number one? I mean, it'll be a massacre. It'll be, a, it'll be a, a real like undertaker taking on some Saturday morning jobber type of matchup here because for Aaron Rodgers, for him to get mutilated by the Saints on, on the afternoon game of week one, he loves primetime football. This is where he thrives in primetime football. He's going to make a point against a divisional rival in Detroit that this is going to be the slaughter of all slaughters here. He's going to want to put up 400 yards and five touchdown passes. I think from last week to where they are, this is a situation for the Packers. This is a team that lost their best uh, O-lineman, Corey Lindsley, to the Chargers. They lost Bakhtiari early in the calendar year, so he's not fully healthy or back yet fully. So they've lost two-fifths of their O-line, and that's going to be the keys. That Packer O-line, if they are meshing together and give A-Rod that time, it's going to be a field day for this team here. Because, again, for Detroit, they'll be blue-nose, hard um, blue-collar, to beg your pardon, hard nose. They'll be that but they don't have enough firepower to keep up with this Packer team, given that they have a wealth of talent from top to bottom, from the running backs to the receiving core. So this game might get ugly early, and this game might be out by third quarter, and you might be in bed by 10 o'clock local time in Winnipeg. How many uh, How many kneecaps do you think the uh, Lions will uh, take back to the sidelines today? Well, you know, Dan Campbell, right? It, it is Monday Night Raw for WWE. This could be like a <laughs> hardcore match, so I, I think he might want to take out some kneecaps, not literally speaking here, but if they're going to do it, look, Penny Sewell, the left tackle, is really good. I think he can give Jared Goff that time. But the question now is, who does Goff have as playmakers that can make a difference in this football game? Because they got to be ball control in this football matchup. They have to make sure to keep air out on the sidelines. If that means you go 12 minutes and get a field goal, that's a victory in my mind. But again, you cannot go field goal in a quick uh, score like here. It might be touchdown for touchdown, but they got to be ball controlling. And if they do that, they might have a chance to win it off in the fourth quarter. Yeah, well, a few years ago, it was uh, Aaron Rodgers famously telling everyone to relax. Last week, it was Devontae Adams saying, flush it and move on. We'll, uh, we'll see if they uh, end up going back into the toilet bowl tonight or they have a hmm. better performance than they did in week number one. Mo, always great having you on. Let's do this again soon, pal. Yes, sir. And check out that Tlaib uh, nine millimeter quote he said. It was the best quote ever in a football game I've ever witnessed in my life. At MoCon19, folks, give him a follow. Mo, thanks for doing this. Take care, guys. Have a great week. There he is, MoCon, one of our favorites here on Winnipeg Sports Talk, chopping up the weekend in the Canadian Football League and the National Football League. Hey, uh, big shout out to our friends over at Little Brown Jug. Man, they had a cool event on the weekend. I uh, was following on their on their socials, which you should follow at Little Brown Jug and uh, LBJ Brewing on Twitter. Uh, they had a uh, a pooch party, uh, a bunch of dogs hanging out on the uh, on the on the deck out in the patio today. Uh, they've got another event coming up uh, on the weekend with uh, with the DJ. Uh, having some great events down at the tap room on William Avenue. You can find out more at littlebrownjug.ca. Check the events page. And while you're there, uh, you can order the good stuff and get it delivered directly to your home. And don't forget, you can also get the uh, special Rainbow Pride cans with a dollar from every can going to uh, the Rainbow Foundation, I believe. It is one of the charities uh, involved with the Pride movement. Uh, and of course, you can pick those up at the tap room as well. Otherwise, 
Get yourself a great taste in 1919 the next time you're out on the town at fine restaurants throughout the city of Winnipeg. And again, they're online at littlebrownjug.ca. Um, and again, congratulations to our friends at Assiniboia Downs for an incredible season of live racing. It ended last Wednesday. We were out there, um, but, you know, uh, the second highest handle in the history of Assiniboia Downs. Uh, just a great, great year. We appreciate the support of uh, Darren Dunn and the gang all season long. I cannot wait to get working with them again next year. But don't forget, Downs is open throughout the winter. 9 a.m., the VLTs are open each and every day. Uh, the Terrace Dining Room, Friday and Saturday was a special menu, but always a great place to go get something to eat. Um, so uh, open year round is the Cinnaboy Downs. And while you're there, you can also bet on tracks around the world. And you can do that as well with the HPIBet.com service and site. All right, we'll get to our cool bet lines in a minute. Let's get Remus back in here. Um, some great stuff with Jeff Hamilton. And I always love having Mo on to break down what went down in the National Football League. Uh, you have any thoughts on this game tonight, Reem? I'm very curious about uh, about Green Bay. I think, you know, normally you'd think, oh, yeah, Rodgers, Adams, they're going to slay. They're going to put up so many points here, Adams. I mean, everyone was on them last week as, you know, one of the top, you know, as far as fantasy goes and you know, wide receiver quarterback combinations. But they laid such an egg against New Orleans, who then looked absolutely terrible. I mean, you have to wonder what's going on with the Packers. And, you know, normally Packers over Lions, that's like a lock. But I'm... I'm not as sure. I'd still probably take take the Packers, but I'm interested as what's going to happen here with Aaron Rodgers because I mean it's pretty clear that he doesn't want to be there anymore, and they're kind of stuck in this relationship. And we'll see how it works out. I mean, he's still a great quarterback. I, I'd like to see him get out. The fact that they didn't—I mean, this—it doesn't all go back to last season in that final game. But when they didn't go for it with him, <laughs> it was such a—it was such a joke. And I—and I think he would be annoyed after just putting up with so much, uh, so much BS from from them. I mean, the the lack of confidence therein. You know, one of the greatest QBs of this generation. It was disappointing as a fan uh, to watch. Well, I, I mean, to me, it goes back to the draft the year before. Yeah, and that and taking too, yeah. Jordan Love. I mean, just unconscionable in that. I mean, maybe they think that this guy is the next Aaron Rodgers and he's going to be sitting behind them for a bit. But for a team that needed receivers so badly to pass on a number of great receivers and then see their arch rivals, the Vikings, take Justin Jefferson and have him turn into an all pro in his first year. Pretty bitter pill for the Packer fans to swallow, and maybe more so for Aaron Rodgers, that just simply did not have the weapons last year beyond uh, Devontae Adams. Uh, let's get to cool bet. The line for today's game is now up to 12 points. Packers laying 12 at home at minus 103. A massive, massive money line favorite at minus 556. And uh, the total is 49 for tonight's game. So um, that's up there. We do have a Thursday game that's already on the board. The Panthers, seven and a half point favorites in Houston to take on the Texans. We'll chop that up on tomorrow on the lock shop. And, you know, while we're while we're at it, I'm not sure whether these uh, the numbers are still up. Oh, OK, the, the election NHL? odds are over. I was going to say the election odds. Oh. Uh, I wanted to see whether those were there. That was interesting to see. I've just been following those throughout. Not political at all. Uh, we'll have to hold my nose when I vote for somebody today. But it was very interesting to see how that moved. I mean, the Liberals were like minus 1250 favorites at one point. And then in about three weeks, it completely flipped. The Conservatives were actually a little bit ahead. 
Uh, but then on the weekend, I saw liberals were back to about minus three thirty. So <laughs> if you believe if you believe what the uh, if you believe what the bookies have to say, and they usually are pretty sharp. Uh, it could be uh, more of our current government. But um, anyways, let's get to the NHL futures because that, I think, is what people are into. We've got a lot up at Cool Bet right now. Uh, you know, we'll kind of go through these over the course of the next couple weeks before you got totals for all of the clubs. Um, but looking at the league champion odds, remember we were talking about the uh, the Jets at 50 to 1 during the summer, Remus, and said that didn't make sense? Well, it's obviously coming down a little bit uh, now, forty to one, but still, I think some pretty good odds when you see some of the other teams in and around that area. Uh, Philly at thirty-five to one, Dallas at thirty, Rangers twenty-eight, Oilers twenty-seven. Um, a lot of people sleeping on the Jets, but that's nothing new. Yeah, and I'm I'm looking at this too, and I think I still bet it at forty to one. Um, I wasn't quick enough to get in at fifty, and then they took it off. But four, I mean, I think. I think they're better than the Oilers. I just think it's a value bet if you believe in the Jets and you believe that, you know, you have a the number one goalie in the league. I mean, he's not the Vezina Trophy winner, reigning trophy winner, but, I mean, he's, he's previous. I think he's better than some of these teams up here. So and I think part of it, maybe, I'm trying to figure out, like, why are the Jets so low? I mean, you look at the Western, you know, odds are in the West. I mean, I definitely think they're better than Calgary. Go to the, go to the central division the, odds. Well, the central, I mean, central, yeah, they shouldn't so be Colorado, down here. Colorado is minus 256, and I'm here for that. They absolutely should be the favorite, mm-hmm. or probably a pretty significant favorite. But after that, the Wild are 8-1, to one, Dallas 10-1, to one, St. Louis 15-1, to one, and then the Jets are there at 21-1. to one. Now, I mean, I think any of these bets, there's certainly an inherent risk involved because it would mean Colorado not winning the division. So that's why the numbers are what they are. But just as far as the hierarchy of the division, having the Jets be fifth, I think is a little bit surprising. And then, you know, you do look down, I think they are, they're they're laying money, minus 130, so favored to make the playoffs. Um, and certainly what I take from these odds is that the bookies certainly and cool bet certainly expects that five teams from the central division will be in the playoffs as opposed to in all likelihood three from the Pacific division. Yeah, I, I agree. The Pacific division, I mean, we talked about how bad the central or the, you know, North division was last year, the Canadian division, but this Pacific division, I think is really rough. I mean, you have the expand, you have the expansion Seattle Kraken with the third best odds to win. They're an expansion team. They've never played a game. And they're higher than, like, the we flames. know. We, oh they're better God. than the Flames. I mean, we know the Ducks are terrible, the Sharks. I think the Kings are, are going to be better. I think I would maybe have the Kings over the Canucks, but I don't think those teams are, are very good. Flames, I mean, they're spinning their wheels. Oilers, I mean, they're lucky they're in this poor division. We'll see how their changes how their changes go and see how their goaltending is, but I'm I'm not really sold on the Oilers either. So I mean, this is, seems like almost too low. Us, the Knights at minus two twenty two. Like if Colorado is minus two fifty six, I mean, I wouldn't. I mean, there's no value in betting that, but like in sweating that for a year. But like, they're so much better. I think they're head and shoulders above above uh, these teams. Like the difference between Vegas and Edmonton. Is smaller than the difference between Colorado and Minnesota, which I don't think I agree with. Yeah, you know, that it's weird. I, Vegas still, and by the way, we'll get to this. There was a few signings on the weekend, but Nolan Patrick did get inked. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's still the center ice position for that team. And of course, Fleury's not there as well anymore. 
And Lorraine Brassois is, and I think we all know Brassois is a very capable backup. Uh, but I am interested to see what Robin Lehner does being the guy going forward. Just one more bit on the cool bet odds, and we'll talk more about this over the course of the next couple of weeks. The Jets regular season points total over under 92 and a half. So uh, you can see all that at cool bet. Uh, if you do want to bet, you haven't done it before. Use the promo code WST. You'll get a 100% bonus on your first deposit up to $200. All right. Lots of things coming out of the weekend, Remo. And we may as well. I just mentioned uh, Nolan Patrick getting signed with the uh, Vegas Golden Knights. Kyler Yamamoto as well signed. Just a one-year deal at 1.1. He was in a, a very tough bargaining position. He'll try and earn a much better contract and produce this year. I think a lot of pressure on him. But the big one of the weekend was Big Z, Zdeno Chara coming full circle. And he is back where he started with the New York Islanders. Yeah, I was um, surprised um, to see. Not surprised. I guess you knew he was going to stay on the East, uh, on the East Coast. You know, he's bounced from Boston to Washington with the Islanders. I mean, if there's a system where he could be successful as... I mean, he's. I saw people saying he was drafted what 1996. He's been around for a long time, but I mean, maybe he'd be like the way Matthew Schneider and Chelios were at their later stage. You know, I think if there's a system that can you know put him up for success at age 44, I think it's with Barry Trotz. Um, you know, maybe play a bottom defenseman role and and play smart. So, um, I mean, we'll see. How, we'll see how it goes. You know, I need to I need to go back and check out some historical records because I'm looking Chara debuted in the NHL in 97-98 and by that time the Jets were gone. But I am convinced that he played a preseason game in Winnipeg for the Islanders. Now, maybe I'm just mixing him up or something like that and over the course of the years, but you know, he was drafted in 96 and then came and played for Prince George. We'll have to see whether he was in the lineup for one of those dates or whether I'm just uh, mixing up 25 years of hockey watching into one wrong memory. Uh, anyways, pretty cool that Char is back. Uh, I hope he just keeps doing it for as long as he can. Uh, it's pretty clear right now, Reem, that he's still a very capable defenseman. Um, I was a little surprised maybe they didn't go back to Washington. They've got many issues, certainly some cap-related. Uh, but Lou gets his guy, and... I wouldn't be at all surprised if we see Zidane Chara playing 20-plus minutes again next year for uh, Lou, Barry Trotz, and the New York Islanders. Yeah, what a sight uh, that would be. That would be crazy. I'm happy to see uh, him playing. You know, I'm talking about old guys still playing. Uh, Yarmar Yager, 49 years old, he's getting it done in the Czech League, but this isn't, you know, the Czech League. This is the NHL. Um, and he did play 18 minutes a game last year with Washington. So, I mean, that's still... Uh, pretty pretty good minutes, so we'll we'll see. I mean, not exactly uh, the point producer um, that he used to be, but uh, he can still play. I, I have no doubts about that. Yes, indeed. And uh, speaking of the Islanders, um, Winnipeg or Travis Zajac hanging him up, Reem. Yeah, and we had been joking for a while that he had a deal done, like Parisi. Um, he had a deal done, and they were just waiting to announce it, but that's not, not the case. Signed a one-year contract with the New Jersey Devils today. Retiring as a Devil is going to work um, in player development. So congratulations to him on, the, on you know, the new position. And, I mean, he was you know, a player from Winnipeg. Very solid NHL career, 15 years. And, um, and hanging him up to it. I thought maybe he would play like a bottom role with, um, with sorry, the Islanders, but I guess there weren't as a job. And, 
you know, if you can take, I think if you can take an opportunity to move on and, um, you know, to your post-playing career, um, and the opportunity presents himself, maybe you got to jump at it because it may not be there later. So, um, congratulations to him. What do you have? A thousand, just over a thousand games and, uh, 1,037, 552 points. And I mean, it was one of the devils went to, um, that cup final run that Kovalchuk led them to. So, uh, I mean, great, great career for, uh, yeah. For, for yeah. And I mean, played over a thousand games with the New Jersey Devils. It is sort of weird that he finished up, you know, traded at the deadline and got in 13 regular season games and then 14 playoff games with the New York Islanders. But, uh, you know, a proud Winnipegger, former UND star and, uh, Hey, a thousand games in the National Hockey League is a thousand games in the National Hockey League. Congratulations to Travis Ajak on a great National Hockey League career. All right. Um, one thing that we were going to touch on on Friday and we did not get to was George LaRock taking note of a certain MPI billboard that is up in the city of Winnipeg right now. Remo, do, do you want to pull that up for the folks maybe uh, that are watching with this live on YouTube? Yeah, it's coming. And if you're on the podcast, uh, well, you just have to tune into the YouTube and hit the like button and subscribe. Am I right, guys? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. By the way, everyone that's with us in YouTube, do us a favor, hit that thumbs up button. We got well yeah. over 200 people in here and we need, uh, you know, we need a little, uh, we need some more thumbs up, some likes. The, and way yeah, the game is the so one thing. This- yeah, and I was gonna say the one thing that helps too is after the stream, if you want to go and leave a comment and just say like, "Hey, what you think of uh, Sammy Niku contract termination or the Bombers kicker situation?" Hop in the YouTube and uh, leave us leave us a comment there. But here's here's the tweet you were bringing up, Hus. Yeah. So uh, so there it is. The, the Mark Shifley, uh, and I'm not sure when this was planned, when they took the picture or whatnot. But um, there it is. It's uh, it's a heads up on the road. Shifley looking at the driver saying, hey, bud, eyes on the road. Um, Normally, I wouldn't think anything of this, but when you consider the way Mark Shifley's season ended last year with the suspension in the playoffs against the Montreal Canadiens, (laughs) there is a little bit of irony in this, and uh, it was not lost on former NHL enforcer George LaRock Remus. Yeah, and I saw a different one that maybe wasn't as menacing on, I think it was on Pemina. But yeah, this one, I mean, he's holding up the glove saying, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to charge you from the other end of the rink. I, I mean, I don't know if it is a is a jab, but George LaRock certainly thought it was. There's no way that it is. There's no MPI, way. I would, you think MPI yeah. is involved? They're trying to they're trying to keep people safe on the road. I don't think they're making light of uh, head injuries. Yeah, no, I would no, say I don't that. Think, I don't think Scheif is leaning into his newfound reputation as an assassin of the National yeah. Hockey League or anything like that. But anyways, the George Rock, former enforcer, saying when Mark will play the Habs on March one, you will understand the meaning of the code. Oh, and you got to say it like that. Big day for the code today when uh, when George got mm-hmm. to thump that up. So yes. You can circle March 1st on the calendar. That will be Code Night at uh, Code Night. <laughs> the Bell Center. Uh, I am very interested to see how that plays out, though. I mean, Shifley's not the sort of guy that fights. He's, you know, it's not really his thing. Um, but, you know, when you see th- this sort of talk will be going, and we'll see. I mean, I don't know whether Jack Todd and all those other people in Montreal that were so out of breath after things mm-hmm. happened saying that he should have spent the night in jail. Uh, what not have calmed down a little bit. 
Um, I know Shifley will be thinking about it because, of course, he's not going to be on the ice. He'll be in the press box for game one of the regular season, Reem, because that four-game suspension only included three playoff games because of how quick the series was. Yeah, I'm curious how that's going to go. I mean, that's a game in March. I mean, you're going to be going towards the playoffs. You wouldn't want to see him get get hurt. And I'll say this. I mean, I don't know what place the, the code has <laughs> in, in hockey today. Hashtag but, the code. I mean— he made a bad hit. I don't know. I want to say he owned up to it, but he he definitely he didn't. He that's didn't debatable. Really that's that's debatable <laughs> if he owned up to. It. I think he acknowledged the suspension, but look, he got suspended for four games. The Jets got absolutely humiliated in the in a series, absolutely dominated. I mean, and I know that uh, last season. So so the Rangers thought that, and everyone sorry, everyone on that suspension said it was you know it was a harsh suspension. It was probably more than what President has shown. And then you have on the on the other side, what was it? The Rangers and the Tom Wilson. Well, they felt you know that Tom Wilson didn't get suspended, and they took action into their own hands. So when a player doesn't get suspended, you can invoke the code. But then when a player gets suspended for you know a severe penalty, then you invoke the code as well and start a fight. I don't. I think the Jets have you know were appropriately punished for the hit. I would think that it's it's done. Like, do they need to like fight fight now and injure someone else? Like, is that yes? Is that yes. necessary? That's how that's how it works. That's how I, it works. You know, I you never hashtag fight. played played the game. I said so. I probably <laughs> and I'm again. I'm a guy sitting on the floor of my basement. It's possible. I don't know what I'm talking about, but it seems like the Jets have already uh, have already been appropriately punished by the NHL for that hit, and probably no reason to uh, give another person a concussion. Am I right, or am I totally up <laughs> to lunch here? Joey, thank you. The code sounds like a terrible self-help book. Um, Tatiana. Hi, Tatiana. Shifley is a good guy. Give me a break. It's a top player, too. Uh, Waiters with an unpopular opinion amongst many. It was a great hit. Uh, It was was certainly uh, T. Will. It was a heck of a hit. Not sure if it was necessary. That is probably the truth. Um, And Mitch WHT. What's up, Mitch? MPI knew exactly what they were doing. Yeah. LOL. Yeah. I mean, the first time I saw it with him pointing to the glass, I'm like, yeah. wow. I wonder I wonder when this photo was taken. I have a feeling it might go back to, you know, a while ago. And they were just waiting to to break it out just in time. They said, hey, wait a second, let's go back. Let's go back amongst that. Remember that Shifley photo shoot we did? See what I think there was one where he was like pointing his head. Let's let's put that one on a billboard going into the season. Yeah, I know. And I like this comment from Branch Doozer isn't part of the code. That <laughs> tough guy fights tough guy or will be Evans versus Shifley's. Yeah, so like because Shifley hit Evans, us now like Brandon Dillon will have to fight Ben Sherrod to make everything right. <laughs> Is that isn't that part of the code? Or will I Shifley do... have to fight I I don't know, like whoever. Maybe Evans. Will he have to fight Evans? Like like, is why? that the guy that comes after it? Yeah, I mean, hey, you know, it's, I don't know. We'll get some code experts on the show over the course of yeah. the, uh, the 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 weeks leading into the rematch There's with the Montreal Canadiens. Going to be a lot of talk about the code. Oh, oh, <laughs> absolutely, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. Um, so those are the uh, the hockey news. Of course, the mini camp continuing. Um, we'll have some more updates throughout this week on mini camp, and uh, and then Remo, things get going for real. Thursday morning at the Iceplex uh, Winnipeg Jet Training Camp. And you know what's nuts? And this has been the case for the last few years. It does not take very long to get into game action. Uh, The Jets will have their first practices on the ice on Thursday. 
And they're going to be playing in an exhibition game on Sunday. Wow. Oh, my God. We're going to have Jets hockey. It's all coming so soon. I can't believe it. So we are tuning in. I see a lot of tweets from, you know, uh, Balls and all the media guys involved with the Jets stuff that, you know, they're doing their team photos. I'm seeing tweets about, you know, battles. Apparently, Pierre-Luc, I saw Scott Billick have post a highlight. Pierre-Luc Dubois dangled Jansen Harkins and fed Kyle Connor for a one-timer at today's uh, today's informal skate us. So they're all on the <laughs> ice. The season is here. We can start uh, getting getting excited about all this stuff. Yeah, and I knew I don't think everyone's here yet. I know Nikolai Ehlers, I saw on uh, his Insta, he yeah. was uh, getting on a plane on the weekend after spending some time with family. Uh, can't wait to have him on the show or talk to him at some point hey. soon. Uh, he fired off. Um, he was at a soccer game on the weekend. Uh Pack Pack Stadium. I, I'm going to assume that it was in Denmark. Um, but anyways, he uh, he seemed to have a great summer. Now we're uh, hopefully going to get the Dane back for a great season, which will include him representing his country for the first time at the Olympics after Denmark qualified for the first time in its existence. Uh, oh, here we are. Yeah, there he is. is the, uh, there so he's here. He's, he's here, ready to go. That's the guy. That is, uh, oh man, I cannot wait to see Ehlers. I'm just looking forward to these games, even the preseason. I'm normally not that into preseason, but considering it's been so long since we've been to a live game, now that I think about it, the last game, and I believe this was the last game. Do you remember what the last game was at Bell MTS Place? The formerly known Bell MTS no, Place, I know Canada Life Center? I remember they played at um, Edmonton. That was like the last game before... Uh... Or the night, was that the night Rudy Gobert was positive? That's the night yeah. we we'll all, we'll all remember. Where were you when yeah. uh, that came out? No, I don't, the, uh, I don't the remember. The game I remember, and I'm pretty sure this was the last game uh, at uh, home for the Jets, was the uh, win over Vegas Friday, March the 6th. Hellebuck was the first star, and that was the game that he did the, uh, the fishing rod celebration after the first star. One of my favorites of uh, Connor's many first star celebrations um that was such a fun night such a big win too for the team over vegas everything seemed to be going in the right direction and then uh well we all know what happened uh everything stopped they got back together in a bubble in the middle of august to play the stanley cup playoffs just still thinking about that is just so so bizarre uh but the good thing is that you know we'll have some semblance of normalcy with a regular schedule, with fans in the building, although uh, it certainly will be different than we remembered going to a game back in March of 2020. Yes, uh, definitely. So, uh, we'll, you know, we're all getting used to uh, what's going on, but how could we, you know, forget about March, uh, mid-March 2020? Here, one other clip, Huss, as we move on. Nate Schmidt uh, in the Heritage, trying on the Heritage Blues. This is oh. what Nate Schmidt looks like in a jersey. Sorry, uh, podcasters, but we're, this is on the Jets' Twitter feed. And those jerseys, man... Look pretty nice. They're 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 the best. They are absolutely the best jerseys. And you know, at some point, I do wonder whether the Jets will move to this as their main uh, main jersey. Um, certainly, I think it's safe to say that if you pull the fans, this version is without a doubt the most popular one. They are going to be wearing them fourteen times this year, so they now have become that third jersey, uh, taking the place of the old Aviator. Uh, but speaking of bringing things back, Remo and jerseys. 
The Phoenix Coyotes are now using the Kachina logo as their main logo going forward, which is sort of appropriate that the worst logo in hockey will be on the jerseys of what could very well be the worst team in hockey and potentially a historically bad team the way the Coyotes look going into the season. Whoa, 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 Huss. Uh, I'm going to disagree with you. First of all, I will say worst. that any any jersey that is out now or sorry, every team's best jersey is from the 90s. There's not too many teams that have an improved improved jersey. Um, so this jersey, I remember when it came out. Terrible take. It was, no, that is the correct take. <laughs> this jersey, when it came out, it was a joke. We laughed at it. You know, we're in Winnipeg. We know what real hockey is. They don't know, even know. I remember laughing. They don't even know what icing is in Arizona or offside. They announced today the rebrand, bringing back the Kachina jersey full-time. This is far superior to the previous uh, branding. I think it says it screams desert, screams Arizona, uh, harkens back to the the long history of the Great Coyotes franchise <laughs> with names like Shane Doan, Keith Kachuk, and Teppo Newman. So I'm I'm here for this. This is this is what they should have done a long time ago. And I'll bring up their their jerseys right now. So so I'm I think this is a great move, Huss. The these are the worst, and maybe I associate them with our team leaving. That's and po- that's possible. Up new big, but honestly, there's not very much redeeming from this jersey. And as I say, the Coyotes as a franchise are a disaster right now. Um, they've got a year left in their home, and then they're going to be looking for a new one. And honestly, it might be appropriate that they spend their last season in an empty Gila River arena, invoking memories of the beginning of the Coyotes franchise because there has been, well, this might be the most noteworthy thing the Coyotes have done in their existence. Change their uniform because that's about it. I'll go back. Like they did the rebrand where they became the air, like went from Phoenix Coyotes to Arizona Coyotes. And I thought these were, were pretty bad. Um, I don't know this logo, like, Looks like a shark. I never really got that it was a coyote. Um, so what I never. It looks like a shark. That doesn't look like a coyote. That's what's. It's got like shark fins on the bottom. I never liked this jersey. I didn't like the color. I didn't <laughs> Until like. Until you said that, I could never see it. But now I guess I sort of and see then, what you're saying. And then they redid the jerseys and put like the black on the shoulders to like stand for the desert or something. I hated these. They were terrible. They, these jerseys, they have an identity. They scream Arizona. I am I'm here for the uh, the Kachina. It's way way better than whatever they were whatever they were rocking. Mothball the franchise. Mothball the franchise. Uh, oh, I see uh, the guys from Royal are chipping in. I heard Royal Sports been getting a lot of the new NHL jerseys in already, both the home and away Kraken jerseys there this weekend. Pretty good looking. Well, I'll tell you what that. If you're able to get in and look at the, uh, if you're able to get in and look at the jerseys, good for you because I think everyone was just firing in on all those great deals at the massive tent sale. Went by a few times, big lineups to get in, but uh, great deals to be had. There you have though those. Oh, what do you think of the Kraken jerseys? They're great, big fan. I'm, in. The, I'm. I think everything Seattle has done as far as branding has been a hit with me, and I'm saying that as a guy wearing a Mariners hat. But uh, I I think everything they're they're doing has been has been awesome. So I'm a big fan of the crap. I mean, their jerseys are already better than like uh, 
Who, sorry, like the Docs have the worst jersey in the league. I mean, the the Kraken, Ducks I think, have like a be the worst change. in sports. The Do- I will put the Ducks uniforms up as potentially the worst in mm-hmm. all of North American sports. Well, By far the worst color combination, uh, the worst logo. Uh, everything about the Ducks jersey is is, is brutal. Well, that's why uh, Greg Wyshynski tweeted, like, okay, now which other team should go back to their 90s jersey? And I was like, well, the Ducks, 100%. Like, why are they avoiding what everyone wants so so bad? And they came out with that, like, third jersey with the Mighty Ducks logo, but, like, kept their stupid orange oh. colors that are, like, <laughs> awful to look at. So, I mean, I could just talk about I could do the jer- the jersey show. Yeah, got, are you going to bring back the St. Louis, the uh, the diagonal one with the, uh, yes. with the horns they, on it? They did. Oh, that one? I no, no, no. I like the one that they wore um, as the reverse retros. I mean, the reverse retros—they're one and done, Huss. They're, I mean, they're done for. They brought them back for a year and never going to be seen again. I'm not I'll sure. Tell you what, some of them were good. I, I the Jets reverse retro is mm. unreal. I mean, and I know there's some folks that you know didn't like the Aviator originally, and it really grew on a lot of people after a while. And, and I certainly have time for it, but to me. The reverse retro, the the striping, the colors, and I know there's no red in it. I just thought it was awesome. So uh, I may have to pick up one of those. I've been meaning I hadn't got one yet, and I've been deciding on it, but maybe I'll do that. That'll be a little more rare this year because I know there's going to be a ton of heritage jerseys. It'll be interesting to see by the end of the season whether we're seeing more heritage jerseys on a regular basis or the uh, the OG new Jets 2.0 logo. That is a good question. I think the hair the heritage ones are too good. Although I like I like the home Jets 2.0. I don't like the um I, I mean as far as the Jets uh, away ones, I'm not crazy about the stuff going on in the arms. But I really like the uh, the home the home 2.0. I think that is a, a really a really sharp jersey. No doubt about it, um, folks. What uh, what do you think about this game tonight? Packers cover twelve points. Let me know in the chat uh, if you haven't yet. Please do us a favor. Hit that thumbs up. Uh, and we're just getting going. This is going to be a really, really fun week. Oh, and I guess I haven't mentioned this on the program, but I'll do this. Uh, coming up, we're going to bring our Aussie pal Dubs back on the program, maybe Wednesday or Thursday, to talk about the Ryder Cup. And I am extra excited because I'm going to the Ryder Cup. First thing I'm going to have done in basically just about two years. So Rewiki will be in chopping it up with Remus on Friday and on Monday. Incredibly excited about that. Uh, but before that, we'll get ready for Jets training camp. Uh, we'll hook up with hopefully Mike McIntyre and Marat. Got some exciting things going on. And then Thursday morning, it's on. Winnipeg Jets training camp, the full squad. Today they're taking pictures. We'll be doing some fitness testing over the next couple days and then we begin in earnest on the 2021-22 season for the Winnipeg Jets the new look roster with an exhibition game on Sunday after a weekend of training camp um big thanks hey if you just popped in later on our pal Nick over at DQ's got a great deal today DQ Northgate DQ St. Anne's today only 50% off all cakes. Pop down, tell them your friends at Winnipeg Sports Talk sent you. Uh, do you want to also thank Manitoba Battery, Royal Sports, Canadian Club, Not Auto Corp, Boston Pizza, Little Brown Jug, Assiniboia Downs, and of course, Cool Bet Canada. Um, we'll uh, take in this Monday night or tonight and get ready for a big show tomorrow with the latest on the Winnipeg Jets approaching training camp. 
Bombers on the bye week, everything going on on and off the field in the Canadian Football League and the National Football League. And a look ahead to uh, the Thursday Nighter as well. Folks, thanks so much for being with us today. Tell a friend about Winnipeg Sports Talk. If you're with us on YouTube, make sure you've hit that red subscribe button. And uh, we appreciate you joining us. Have a great Monday night. We'll be back here tomorrow, live at YouTube on 1 p.m. and later on the afternoon in your podcast feed at Winnipeg Sports Talk. Have a great night, everybody. Oh, my God. Shut it down. Let's go Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com. 